You're listening to a Mutiny Transmission. You can find more podcasts, videos, books, comics, and records online at mutinyinfocafe.com. Or just stop in the store in Denver and have a coffee sometime. That was, good, that was a good mic bow, check. Bow, all right. Rapping Randy and the gang. And it's five, four, three, two. You better not. Children are listening to this. And you're rolling. They can hear the middle they finger, man. This bird. is the family episode. Yeah. yeah. This is, I am doing a bunch of, uh, I'm trying to get a lot of like rock dads on the show. Really? Well, yeah. You, 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 could, I mean? you couldn't tell. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I have mentioned that every week, haven't I? Just been like, you know what we should do? Just keep doing the thing that we've been doing from week to week. Hi, welcome Hi. to the motherfucking podcast. Episode number 52. It's about time. Tony's golden episode. It's about time. Tony didn't think episode 50 was anything to celebrate. No, fuck that. <laughs> this is the official podcast of the rock and roll, the international Rock combo, motherfucking ruckus from Denver and Chicago, respectively. I'm Aaron Howell. I'm Tony Lee. And joining us in the studio today, oh, first of all, Gordo, back on the dials. His microphone works. Hi, gentlemen. (laughs) Gordo, for those of you at home listening, the tens of you that are listening at home right now, you're going to be disappointed. Gordo has said he doesn't feel confident enough to do sound effects this week do the live sound effects because he doesn't think that they sound good he says says they sound like they're in a tin can they sound terrible and i thought that that was what we were going for (laughs) frankly if it's not you know a plus material fuck it man it 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 doesn't meet our standards Standards. and that's why you go to gordo you gotta have standards and that's why we have gordo is because before we were just putting out total fucking trash week to week yeah Talking into my broken it, it, well, ass phone. It, we were putting stuff out that John Skibbs would polish the turd that it was and polish it up to a nice yep. shine. But he polished it style. like he polished it in the way that like your gross uncle might like wipe blood off of your knee when you fall down <laughs> as a kid. He takes like an oily rag from the garage and just goes, Ah, you're all right, kid. <laughs> that was the that was the extent of our polishing skills. Uh, joining us on the show is an old dear friend, another yeah. rock dad, a a troubadour, a uh, a one man show, a man of the road, a man of the road, a uh, a road warrior, a a Texan, a sacred clown. I don't I'm know if t- I can be a Texan yet, dude. No? I don't know how that works, man. <laughs> Are you living in Texas? Yeah, I live in Austin now. Okay, so I wasn't I wasn't sure if you were living anywhere. I don't. I feel like I don't. Yeah, I feel like. I don't know. I don't have a home sometimes. <laughs> how, about a, how about a name? Joining us on the show, the one and only Randall Conrad Olinger. <laughs> right. That's a bad man right there. Randy. What's up, brother? We've been talking about having you on the show for like months. I'm stoked to be here. You're one of the... If you're here, then who's listening to the show? That's what I want to know. Yeah, every time. Yeah. I don't know. Because pretty much you... Okay, so now the only two people that I'm sure listen to the show are on the show. 
Yeah. Like, I, Gordo, do you listen to the show? Not more. I'll be listening. Do you listen to the show after we put him out? I, should I admit that? I do. I listen to the show. I, I listen I watch, to. I watch it go down. I experience it, and then I have to go back and relive it. I don't really pay attention to the content. It's kind of like when you know my parents go out of town, or like me and my me and my girl leave the house, and we don't want the cats to feel lonely, so we like turn it on a radio station just so it it sounds like there's people around the house. That's real nice of you. Yeah, yeah. 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 I do it. <laughs> I do it just to make the drives in the car not feel so lonely and go. Ah, I remember that time I. I sat with my friends and we talked and during a during a commute was when I listened to the last episode and yeah I mean sometimes I skip around I'm like oh I remember this part yeah and I, <laughs> I listen to the whole thing I hang on every word and I'm not I'm not I'm not making that up I love it and it's not just that I'm in, in it's <laughs> not that I'm in love with word yeah I hang on my every word God, hangs on his own I just sit there word. and I have it cranked up like really like painfully loud right and I just listen to it and I just sit there in my car and I laugh just <laughs> oh, you're such a genius Aaron oh you're so funny shut up Tony boy that guy sucks <laughs> Want to get out of here? Yeah, let's, uh, yeah, let's go. Yeah, let's redline. let's go. It went to a. <laughs> did I redline? I'm sorry. Uh, actually, I wanted I one thing that besides you being an an incredible musician, incredible songwriter, I've always known you as literally the nicest bartender I've ever met. Oh, right on, man. Because when I so when I when I first I don't met know you, if everybody would agree with you. But well, that's when great. I, when I were you working at. Benders for he was at Benders long. forever, oh, that's right. and then, then the Skylark, that's yeah, the the major bars. I Wh- when he was at Benders, that, yeah. it was man. I want to say it was around at the time that you first moved out here to it Denver. Was. It was well, sometime around yeah. then. I forgot all about that. And yeah. I went in. I went in during the day to like pick up some posters or something like that. And Randy was working the bar, and I just remember him being like so friendly as to stand out, you know, amongst the dark, cynical background of <laughs> Colfax and Capitol Hill bartenders, you know. Yeah. You didn't have you just didn't have that that seeping reeking snarkiness reeking you know pouring I, out of you. I loved bartending, dude. You I were mean, really good it, at it. It was a lot of fucking fun. And do you still do it? Um, you know, I haven't in a long time. So what so what are you doing in it cuz I mean, you lived here forever. Are you are you a Colorado native? Are you from here? Yeah. Yeah, I grew up here. Okay. So you lived here yeah, all your life Texan. up yeah. until when well, did you move to Texas? <laughs> well, I lived here all my life up until I joined the Navy. And then That's I, right. Yeah. You're a Navy man. Yeah. I forgot about that. <laughs> That's right. I when were you in the Navy? From basically 98 to 02. Holy shit! Yeah. How old are you, dude? I just turned forty. Oh, okay. You're not even that. <laughs> you're not even that much older than me. Yeah. You're three years older than me, and you were already in the Navy in 1998. <laughs> yep. He's lived three more lives than you. Yeah. This <laughs> yeah. this band was like a year old in 1998. Just like oh really? Like it, like uh, <laughs> Logan, our bass player, his brother Marshall, who listens to the show, he was one of those guys who like turned 18 and went. You know, went to the fucking Navy and made a career out of it. Mm-hmm. How long did you stay in in the service for? Four years. Four years. Oh yeah, four. Yeah. Years. I, I'm sorry, I couldn't remember the I'll second take, date. I remember the first. I'll just one. take that away. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, four years, and then I came back and uh, immediately tried to put bands together, and that's what like ultimately turned into workhorse. Right. And 
been at it ever since. I mean, that was why I got out of the Navy and was to start bands. Yeah, to play, like to play music. That was. So you just you, did you are you, did you just go to the Navy just to get the like GI Bill and be able to go to college or something like that, or did you? No, leave I was I was like uh, a lot of uh, military history in my family, and it made sense. You know, like I right. wasn't a stranger to that kind of shit, so it just made sense. You know, and uh, I don't know. Halfway through my enlistment, you know, like I started bringing my guitar on the ship and writing right. riffs and songs, you know what I mean? And That sounds you know, like the beginning to some, like, fucking biopic. It's like, <laughs> it's like, it's like the Arlo Guthrie story yeah. in theaters this summer. You yeah. know, it, it like, so, so then did you, you finished your enlistment, your four-year enlistment, right? Mm-hmm. And then immediately just came back to town and started doing workhorse and, and making music. Yeah, like me, me and a couple buddies started bands and, you know, it took us, I don't know, probably a couple years to put together what became workhorse. Is there, a, I mean? is there any workhorse online right now? Because oh, I yeah. think oh, there is. Gordon's got it. Mm-hmm. So what we should, you know what we should do? We should do that for the homies is we should put, because we've played Randy's solo shit on here before. Yes. We should play an I figured old, we do it again. He's right the fuck here. Okay. Oh, yeah. you, <laughs> just, just Did so you we, bring a guitar? Just Live so we can, in studio. <laughs> just so we can remember it later, what song should we listen to by workhorse? Mm. Well, goddamn, dude. That's an interesting question. Yeah. Um, I don't know, dude. I would just say right out, right from the hip, like something like "Right Arm of Lightning." That is, you know, it's like a fucking right arm of lightning. Yeah, total stoner, <laughs> epic, eight-minute song. I think oh, you know, really? we, like nice. definitely get the gist of what Workhorse okay. was about. Yeah, we should so, definitely. So, how, how did that band start? What'd you guys do? We had a pretty interesting little run, man. I mean, <clears throat> um, you know, we. Played with the you know Black Lamb, Audio Dream, Sister, Under the Drone, right. those bands. You know, right. like um, it was it was great, and uh, we even got like a little MTV love. You know, MTV used a workhorse song for one of Bam Margera's shows. Oh, you know? really? Yeah. Well, yeah. shit. And that, like when that happened, it was really <laughs> funny because we. <laughs> No, that's fucking great. That's great. No, it's just a funny story, dude, because we thought we'd made it. You know what I mean? We were, like, looking at each other like, dude, this is, you know, this is going to happen for us now. Dude, and and that's what they're they're counting on. Let me ask you, did you guys get paid anything for MTV? No, dude. Dude, okay, so White Fudge (laughs) did a song for a Travel Channel show. And we didn't get anything for yeah. it. Like they're ca- they're counting on that being like being able to go. Hey, yeah, we'll put one of your songs on TV if you give it to us for free. Remember that thing you we know, did? That's at, what they count. We did that thing at Bender's where uh, MTV was supposed to pick a band out of, yeah. out of Denver. It was and- that show made. You remember that? There was oh, the, okay. So there was this show. Was, I remember being. Early do you remember in the that, Randy? There no. was this show called Made on MTV, and what it was is they would take a kid. That's like kind of young and awkward and wants to do something. Why, like, always has this dream of doing something, right? The episode that they were trying to shoot in Denver was a kid who wanted to be in a band. Mm -hmm. And so they were looking for, like, (laughs) I forgot all the. Dude, this is a real thing. All right. And so they were looking for people in Denver, people in bands, to, like, 
make air quotes make this girl into like a a, a rocker chick yeah. like that was the thing that was going and and you know she's like some 11 12 year old kid from like like the suburb or like from Colorado Springs in the suburbs somewhere like that and so <laughs> Benders MTV got a hold of Benders and they had auditions in the showroom yeah so, and we showed up for it in the morning, it was in, like oh, nine butt in the crack, morning. yeah, butt yeah, crack at yeah, dawn. Eight in the morning or something. Yeah, the butt crack at nine. <laughs> and <laughs> the, and the, the way you should never see benders, right? Oh, that, yeah. that kind of daylight. Oh yeah. I, and I want to say they never even ended up doing the episode just because, like, <laughs> nobody because <laughs> of all the bands who went through benders. It was yeah, that, that kind of caliber. I all guess. the bands who showed up to audition for it. It was like I think it was us and King Rat and maybe like Reno Divorce or something like right that. Right on, you know, dude. It was that, but we should have just played a show. You didn't audition. Audition is the full band. You didn't come in and like audition any of your music. They didn't want to hear you play. They just wanted people who were cool. Right, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So you could go in and your band could have been total dog shit. But if you looked amazing and like had like a good MTV attitude, like where your brain is completely replaced with like semen and a fucking empty <laughs> beer can. You know what I mean? Like, I, I do remember, I remember the, they had like this uh, kind of interview sheet that you were supposed to fill in, like a questionnaire thing, and Tay just made basically a resume that was not really a resume at all. It was just bullet points of things he had done in music and the last one said, <laughs> I seen a thousand faces and I rocked them all. <laughs> yeah! That's great! It was fun, but yeah, I mean, it was during that time when we were like... We were sitting around. That was when I first moved out here, sit, for that, sure. That was when we were waiting for the limo, and we were, like, fucking just grinding our asses off, and we would we would do any opportunity, and we would, you know, just playing our asses off and trying to tour and trying to get on stupid fucking battles of the bands. <laughs> and, you know, it, it, all, all that stuff that I think everyone has to go through at a certain point. Yeah, did, you have, yeah. did you have to go through a lot of that, like, like stupid chasing fucking... Crooked corporate, you know, corporate dreams and shit like that. I don't know. I think I'm still going through all of the yeah, bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> well, go on. Okay. The bullshit will never stop. Right. Well, let's make that clear. I mean, like, there's a certain kind of bullshit that, for one, stops getting offered to you because we get old. And, right. for you know, they only want young, hot people and, and relevant people. But also, you stop pursuing because after... I'd say for most people, unless you live in Los Angeles, it's generally about three to five times. Fool me three to five times, shame on me. Like it's it, like by three the third to, to fifth time, if you get tricked by some some something like MTV to or or some licensing thing, there you're like giving your shit away for free. Like that that's generally when people stop. But I, I feel like. Everyone has to go through that point where they're like trying to submit their stuff to commercials or like trying to submit their yeah. stuff to MTV. Uh, I think or, what you're saying is like, like when you when you're willing to do anything and you're trying everything and trying everything and you start whittling it down based on some bullshit experiences you had. Well, yeah, for sure. But also, I, I don't know. I don't know how it was for you, Randy, but for us, it was that thing where it was like we. Um, we stopped pursuing this like abstract concept of making it. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like if we get something on MTV, that will lead to this and that will lead to that. And that will lead to right, that. Right. And then we'll be huge rock stars. That can't still happen. Oh, I'm really sorry, Gordo. <laughs> Gordon, <laughs> I just told him Santa Claus isn't real, dude. America's got talent. Let's all do it. Oh, well, no. I mean, that's the thing. Like even, 
You look at someone like Taylor Hicks. Okay, this is a crazy example that just popped into my head. But did you ever watch American Idol? I mean, I, I've yeah. seen episodes of it. Do yeah, you guys but know I who Taylor Hicks was? To, no, no. Taylor Hicks was like the one person <laughs> in all of American Idol history that stands out in my mind because okay. he was a gray, a gray-haired, over thirty-five, fucking soul singer dude. Okay, like he did not look cool. He was a chubby guy with gray hair about our age that sang like fucking Joe Cocker. Okay. And he was <laughs> badass, dude. And did he, he made No, he didn't win, but he made it almost all the way to the end. He was on he was on people's TVs every week. You know, people were following him. People were voting for him from across the country. They were doing all these different things. And he was always my favorite person, was a lot of people's favorite person. And after that show, I think I saw that he came through here on tour once and played at Herman's Hideaway. This is very interesting, dude. Network television every week and was fucking amazing. You know what I mean? This is interesting, dude, because I just played a show in Kearney on Saturday. And I played at like eight thirty, nine o'clock, and then after my show, this guy Josh Hoyer, who was on The Voice, okay, was playing at the bigger venue in in town, and um, it was really cool to see the different dynamic between like, you know, what I do and where I play, and what he does and where he plays, you know, right? It uh, interesting that oh, we're it's talking a, it's about a, this. It, yeah, it's a it's a big difference. Um, I think that probably what ends up happening for a lot of them is because they expected this trajectory of I'm going to get in front of the man, the man's going to put me in front of the people, the people are going to lead to more people, and then I'm going to become famous and it'll just plateau like that for the rest of my life. And Mr. I'll, I'll, Wonderful. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mr. Big. Mr. Big. Mr. Big. Yeah, Mr. Important. Mr. Mr. Big. Mr. Wonderful is Kevin O'Leary on Shark Tank. <laughs> <laughs> Say what? There's only one Mr. Wonderful. Um, All roads lead to Mr. Wonderful. But but yeah, like, uh, and, and so then when the show is over, and people, and even more so now because it's it's all web content, which people just like, oh yeah, it's gone. You know, they don't even shit it out. <laughs> like it just goes in and evaporates in their belly. It's like it's like MSG. You know what I mean? Like they're just hungry for more and more. Ten seconds later, but during this time, it's like he thought that trajectory was going to happen. You know, and then when the show didn't happen, it's like he didn't have to do what we had to do, which is build up. A uh, relationships with people around different clubs around the country and build up this like resume of experiences and failures and like going through and, and fucking up around the country on our own and not getting paid and stuff. It like he didn't do that part. So when it came to actually doing that part, the people who were supposed to be paid to manage him and make it happen for him didn't have the incentive to make it happen for him. So he was unable to do it himself. Right. Right. You know what I mean? Mm. Like That's people like that, are, they're kind of handed the fish in a certain way, but then they they aren't given the skills to like manage their own careers. Yeah, That's an interesting thing because I know a couple people, I've known a couple people that are like, uh, they have home studios and they've recorded their own material and <laughs> much like I did, but like I always had bands that I was in and, and failing. And <laughs> <laughs> I always had bands and failure. Yeah. And, uh, but trying to 
I'm trying to convince people that it's okay, like it's really different when you get out there and you're playing. Right. You know, like you're you're trying to shop your demos as a songwriter or whatever it is you're trying to do, but then live performance is a lot different, you know. Well, and trying to make well, it, it forget about trying to make it sound good live. You know what exactly. I mean? That's, like that that's the whole thing is like the whole and then everything that goes along with that beast. Yeah. So now that actually brings me to something about Randy. So for those who don't know, for for those of you who haven't but should see uh, Randy play, uh, you're a one man band. Yeah. And and I've watched <laughs> you build that up over several years, and you have now gotten to this point where you do the kick, the snare. You've got you've got your guitar, which is mostly a, a slide resonator, or it's a like a like a dobro that you primarily I play. play. A, I play a resonator, yeah. yeah okay. But most of my stuff is done on like a regular electric guitar. Like I have a few blues bluesy songs that I play slide on, right? Yeah. And then um, a washboard hooked up to your to your array. Right? I used to have that. You don't have the yeah, washboard. I just anymore. play regular drums now. <laughs> so I used to make all my own foot percussion, and and that shit was like a killing my knee and hip, you know, stomping on right. wood all night, and right. uh, b yeah. just like wanting to play a little more uh, intricate drumming and stuff like that. It made more sense to switch over to playing real drums, you know, right? Because you know, kick pedals are just easier to like manipulate and versus just. Do you have them wired up too? Like you know how. Um, Scott Byram, he has what I, I've, I don't know if he's done this. It's been, you know, if he still does this, but I saw him play years ago and he did this. Is he had. Uh, Are you talking about Byram? Scott Byram? Scott Byram, <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, Scott, Scott Byram, uh, he had his own platform. He had his own stage platform that then I think had a floor mic wired into <laughs> it or a trigger or something like that. that so he sense. would do. He would do his. Um, his regular percussion stuff, but into the stage, he'd have built in this like kind of low impact bass noise that he could just use over, oh, yeah. and over again. I just have them mic up. You just mic like up a, a, a kick and a snare, yeah. right? Or what else is on the kit? There's just a kick, a snare, and then like a like a tambourine on my the snare side. Okay, so you don't you don't do like like. You've seen John, of course. Mizuko. Oh, yeah. Limbs, man. Yeah, limbs, yeah. dude. Yeah. Man, got to hey, get Hey, yeah, let me go ask the band. I'll be right back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, I guess what I was wanting to ask about is as the one-man band, hold on, hold on. Multi-limbed specialist. As a multi-limbed <laughs> specialist, hold on. My brain is circling back around. <laughs> That's Okay. <laughs> No man, uh, I saw you. You and uh, Granny play. Uh, how long was it? Was it a couple weeks ago? Yeah, like a week ago, Friday, like a week from Friday, Saturday. Yes. I don't know. Yeah, that, that was a fun fifth. fucking show. That was a really, really badass show. Both, like, both you guys have been man, fucking, and that uh, that new book you got coming out. We should talk about your new book, man. Oh you, you and, yeah, you and, Gordo, you and Gordo put it together, didn't you? Yep. Or he released it. You put it together. We all he put it together. <laughs> That's a I long just, story. Yeah, it's like two it's, years worth of. Oh, good. Uh, we only got uh, two hours. In there. We only got two hours. Yeah, no, so. we can t- t- tell the story, <laughs> yeah, man. The story. Okay, so d- again, to give Here, some context, start. sure. <laughs> again, to give some context, uh, so Randy's new release. So this is this How is the second R- song? Bali song. Uh, Bali song. This is the second RCO album or third RCO. Third. Album? This is the third RCO mm-hmm. album, and. 
On this one, you did, uh, instead of just releasing a record, you released a hardbound book, right? Yeah. Okay, so what's, what's all in the book? Because I haven't seen it yet. Do you have one with you that we could look through, by the way? I don't. Oh, okay. I don't. I should have brought that in. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> but okay. I can talk about it. Yeah, so you know, what's, in it? what's in it? What's in it? It's your uh, whole, uh, representative right now because I don't have it with me. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was put out on what label, Gordo? It was put out on Hollywood Records. Ah, Atlantic Hollywood, no. Hollywood uh, Royal Atlantic Hollywood. Uh, it, is, it is the best-selling release in the Gordophonic Records library. I have number one on it Gordophonic is, Records for the last type. eighteen weeks. With a bullet. <laughs> With a bullet on Gordophonic. Yeah. Records. That's sweet. Yeah, it's well, number rad, one man. in our catalog. Well, I'd, I'd like to just hear the story of how you uh, came, yeah, well, came to think of it and uh, how the progress, pro, uh, process was of uh, recording the whole thing and kind of releasing a book with with uh, the book. It goes out with each song, right? There's uh, seventeen chapters. Yeah, it's chapters. like a it's a concept yeah. thing. You know what I mean? I was always into like Rush and that kind of stuff. Mastodon. Yes, I, of I'm course. really like geeky about that kind of stuff. So I we're kinda, on the same page with that. Right on. Yeah, yeah. I know you are. Dude. Yeah, Fuck and. Yeah. Uh, so as soon as I got, as soon as I finished Sail On, my previous album, I started. Now was that also a concept album? Like, it, it, have all your things been concept there ideas? There are or? themes in that, but I wouldn't necessarily say that okay. that one's a concept. Can't be anything like this. I mean, natural no, nothing like this. Natural so. themes do emerge no matter what you do For in sure. an album because it's a it's a snapshot of a period in your creative history. Right. You know, and mm-hmm. so how. How many years of material would you say has gone into the the new album? Two years. I mean, essentially it's just two like, years. You've been writing and demoing yeah, and getting mm-hmm. it together. Um, it was uh, the, basically the way that I recorded the songs themselves were sort of like grouped into you know sections. They're, ultimately, there's like 17 songs on this. And they're all you like mean like three. like movements like in an opera or something like that. They kind of like you know they just came out like around the same time almost like sequentially i guess for lack of better description you know right. so okay. like i grouped them on the recording like that and then um you group them on the recording sequentially you know like how they how they came out while i was writing them that you know? is an interesting idea yeah that's a really interesting idea and that just evolved into the book and the lyrics and then like lyrics that were poems inspired by the concept so of what's, it that what's the theme of the book then it's uh it's like the journey basically, dude, from the you know, recording my last record to writing these songs and like oh, so traveling. It's, it's autobiographical. Kinda, like. yeah, dude. It's uh and then there's just like some some themes in there that are like that have to tie in with the book itself. Like if you read it, you know what I mean? There's like clues that lead to other songs and stuff. Right. Like it's really ridiculous, dude, you know? <laughs> dude, <laughs> but it was no, fun no, no. to do, you know? And I like, love that shit. So where'd you get the idea to have the book uh, co-release with the record? I've always wanted to do a book. When we were in Workhorse, we had this concept idea of like this like Virginian farmer dude who like goes through like time travels and like all this weird goofy shit that we never got around to doing and like that was gonna be what we would do for Workhorse and since cool. we, I wasn't in Workhorse anymore I always wanted to do this and dude. it just became what Ball Randy, Randy is. we should just do that <laughs> and we should make an auditory component of it, and we should just record it here, dude. All right. Hey, or, dude. dude, seriously. I a band uh, cooking. He, ah, <laughs> or at least a project. Oh, I'm leaving. 
I've got so much free Four. time. I, I mean, know. <laughs> Jeez, dude, what are you going to do? I know. <laughs> God, I might as well fill it up with yet another project. So, yeah. Okay, so, so, so it's mostly autobiographical. It's mostly like talking about what was going on during the process of making it. Does it go into your back history, too, or is it more about like like just within the, the frame of the two years that you were taken to make it? Yeah, I, don't, I wouldn't say that there's really any back history in there. Okay. You know, there's like, you know, one one section of the book is sort of like these songs that are more about like family and they're a little lighthearted or in like a little more from the heart. And then like one chapter of the book is like these are these really weird songs that like aren't really anything that you could tie to any genre. You know what I mean? They're like really weird things that like Matt and I put together in the studio and then there's one, uh, one chapter of the like what, like what kind of weird stuff? Just like like just grunting or no no, no 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 just like things that grunting. <laughs> I don't like know. Weird. He's like he's like they're not really any genre. Like, I'm like weird weird compositionally, I guess you know. Yeah, what okay. I mean they're put together weird and they're like you know sometimes I get lumped into like play, being like a blues musician and stuff like that and a guy that stomps right. and stuff. But like there are things in there that like right. aren't that really you know just kind of weird songs. See that's smart. I can see that, I can see that just that's from seeing, smart. seeing you play at Kings. It's uh, like you definitely fucking can play some blues. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. People but, uh, people really want to be much able. different music than just being a blues guy. Oh yeah, yeah. I try to not do that you know exactly. as much as I love that kind of thing but like I'm I'm into prog rock and weird shit and jazz you know so yeah. trying to make the one man band thing which I hate to say is right. different as I can which I'm sure most people do you know? it, it's it's hard to um, yeah, you got nobody to tell you no right <laughs> nobody, nice nobody's ever gonna know your stuff the way you know your stuff and that is such a hard thing to come to peace with. For you sure. You know what I mean? Like, even the people who get most into our stuff, you know, into your stuff, into our stuff, into into fucking Gordo's stuff, you know, into, into whatever stuff that people get into, even the people who totally get into it are never going to... To pick up every element, but they'll like follow those bread clump, those bread breadcrumbs, those little clues that you were talking mm-hmm. about that you leave behind. And... Um, and 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 yeah, like people have this tendency to want to pick one thing. Like you're wearing like a pearl snap shirt right now, and you've got the the facial hair and like the dirty blonde hair, and you got your resonator <laughs> guitar. They go, oh, he's this one man band Americana blues, da 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 da, and that's it. Yeah, yeah but you he's know? working with Gordo, so you know it's weirder than that. They, they want to have that. <laughs> they want to have that sealed little cheeseburger wrapper. Yeah, people like what they can relate to. For sure. I've noticed a lot of people do it based on their preferred sensory representational system. (laughs) Like really visual people will come up to you after a show and be like, hey, has anyone ever told you you remind them of and they name some guy from another band? It's easier to compartmentalize in your head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Life in general. They go, go, oh, you guys remind me. Like, okay, so... I used to have sideburns and do the bandana thing, right? And uh, I would have people come up to me regularly, and they would be like, you guys remind me of Godsmack, because you look like <laughs> Sully from Godsmack. And then I, I grew up. I have no idea who then I grew. Then I grew a fucking beard, and it's like, man, you guys remind me of Clutch, because you look like Neil Fallon from Clutch. And then it's like you do a do stupid Do people hand- would say that to you, like, oh, after yeah. shows? Oh, yeah. N- neither, neither of those make any sense oh, to me if yeah. you're paying attention. All the time. That's weird. You got, you got nothing else to say in the <laughs> Dude, there are times where you can catch people in a lie. 
Okay? Uh-huh. Someone will say something to you, and you'll be like, you're not even paying attention to the music, yeah. are you? Like, they'll, ma- they'll, they'll, <laughs> they'll make a comment about something that is, like, so far off base, it's like, you've never even heard a single thing I've played, have you? <laughs> like, like uh, I, I, I don't know. I can't give an example, but... I, uh... I don't know. I, I appreciate it all, all the same, I guess. <laughs> I mean, I, I appreciate I appreciate like, that like, people are giving attention. some feedback. That, you know? Yeah, it's it's way better. It's way better than uh, well, the the person I'm the people I'm referencing that have said that we remind them of Sully from Godsmack or of Godsmack and Clutch uh, is in the same town where the girls came up to the stage when we were playing there, and they're like, "Can y'all stop playing so we can turn on the jukebox?" <laughs> <laughs> you remember that? <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's Y'all know any sad, Nelly? Sadly. Like that, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think everybody in the whole fucking room just like, looked up. Yeah, we've all been there. Time <laughs> <that's happened. laughs> there was that time we were in uh, Huntington. Did just give up? Everybody at the same yeah. time? Yeah. All right. Bail? Bail. Yeah. No, let's let's <laughs> make let's make band. a podcast and a YouTube band. channel around this band <laughs> that no one cares about. <laughs> uh, remember that time we were playing in Huntington Beach, California, and uh, the Lakers game was on? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I remember, sort of. Yeah, well. Keep going. There was five people in the bar, and they were all on the complete opposite Opposite side of the bar. Looking the other way. (laughs) Looking at the Lakers game, and every so often they just look back at us and glare. They just feel like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just with their hands raised, just like what the fuck? Oh yeah, dude! I've yeah. played under some fucking TVs before, dude. And oh, like, it's the worst. Yeah. I've just like wanted to walk out and blow my brains out. Like, <laughs> what the fuck did I just do to myself? So, you know, like oh, it's the yeah, worst. Yeah, yeah. We, 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 we had this. Can play ten minutes at halftime. Yeah, so we, <laughs> we did. We did. We did exactly that in Oklahoma City. It was um uh, the Oklahoma Thunder playoff game. You know, that was fun though. That. It ended up being fun. That was fun. Okay. So, like, at, at halftime, uh, your mom played, like, uh, like a 10-minute set at halftime, right? The same exact fucking thing. And then we're supposed to go on right after the game. And the stage is where the big projection TV was. So yeah. Like, and then the, so the TV lifted up after the game when we – that was a whole deal. But they that's fucking, cool. That's inclusive, yeah, you they know. Fucking, that was fun. They lost. Yeah, oh, so shit. Oklahoma City Thunder <laughs> lost. And it was when they were in the playoffs against Golden State. Or was so it the I, finals? I, I can't remember what the fuck it was, but it, they had lost. And it was just I like don't know, the entire it town was killed just Killed the energy, dude. In oh. the entire room. And then so it just raised <laughs> up. Everyone was so and sad. The, the rest of us were just sitting there like, oh, fuck, this is going to be terrible. And Aaron's like, it's okay. It's okay. He's going to be fine. Pumping his fist. Hey, how's it going, everybody? You know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was just like, fuck you. Yep. No, Ooh. no, you know what? That ended up We had up our being... five friends just sitting up there, like, trying to pump the crowd with us. Like, it's okay. No, <laughs> no, no. We'll do this for now, and then I'm we'll solve later. Yeah. The Consolation Band. Yeah. Hi. <laughs> we're Evan and we're sorry. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so, okay. So, the, 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 the book is out. What's I mean, what's been the response from it so far? Are you out there hustling it? Just Dude, it's been absolutely... Unbelievable! People get into it, right? Yeah, I, it did r- cool. way better than like I thought. It, the timing of how everything unfolded was like essential to it as well. You know, like okay. I hadn't been in, back from into Denver for a minute. Um, I, I wanted to release it with a tour, which is what's going on now. You know, and on tour now. Yeah, it was great. How it long all, are you on tour for, by the way? 
Um, I head back like the 24th. So are you just doing like a lot of a a shorter mm-hmm. runs? Like you're doing more shorter runs instead of like staying out on the road for longer yeah. periods of time? I mean, I did like a five to six week tour last year by myself and like... It's that, too much. That changed my soul, dude. It's too <laughs> much, dude. I mean, and half truck driver, half musician, just, uh, just lonely was, steering wheels. It was great. You know, like there were four back to back festivals that were it was a really awesome tour but like by myself it's just it's hard you know okay so what now this is a question what's your favorite way to tour and what has been the way to tour that has given you the best results and are they the same thing they're not the same thing. I okay. mean, I make more money when I'm by myself. You know. So when you like, go by yourself for an extended period of time, is it is, that's the the best earnings that you get? That's like yeah, the I most make, opportunity that yeah, you get from it. Those that's a it's better financially that way, but it's worse on you. Oh, it's, I mean, it's, it's not it's as worse fun as going soul. with a band. How, no. how are you traveling though? In on a, this tour, by myself. Okay, and, and what's the vehicle? And a Ford Escape. Cool. But I'm like, I'm it's most like, of no, my yeah. yeah, most of my shows are here. You know, so uh, this doesn't. It so feels you, more like half tour, half like coming home mm, and, and seeing right. family. You know, so, so if, 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 are you just cycling a hand? So I guess the, the the question I was I was more asking is, do you prefer like going out for longer period? Like, do you think that you do better when you go out for long periods at a time and hit a lot of different markets, or when you do shorter runs? Uh, to just like your hot spots, I guess that's more what I'm asking about. Like, which one is more fun for you, and which one is more effective? You know what I mean? <laughs> the shorter, the shorter ones are, I think, ultimately the better way to go. Yeah, you know, if you can hit like, what's short to you though? I mean, anywhere from like three to twelve days. Okay. I would think would be a short, you know, yeah, that deal. I used to yeah. like kind of book tours based off of three weekends you know when i went out i wanted to hit three weekends and now if it's like you know one good weekend or two good weekends i'm cool with that you know i like i like building around a weekend you know what i mean yeah i like i like thinking about a place that we've got we've got a little bit of heat i mean as much heat as we we get <laughs> going somewhere where we got like a little bit of heat and then traction. Uh, it, you guys it, got heat. We a little bit of a buzz going. We got like a <laughs> bunch of guys just standing around a smoldering piece of steel wool in a blizzard, just like <laughs> a big a big lighter like, in a snowstorm. And I and the whole time I'm sitting there like it's okay guys, it's okay guys, it's okay guys, it's okay guys, it's gonna work. We're gonna get a fire. We're gonna eat food again. I promise. Yeah. No, I I I, I like building the like around that like those anchor dates and then trying to hit maybe four or five uh additional dates to eat up drives and to kind of warm up for those shows Mm -hmm. you know what i mean but i I feel like if you do if you do too much in a row like when we go overseas i love to do Two weeks tops. Two, two weekends. Two yeah. Two weekends is is ideal. That's ideal. And then general. kind of maybe shows on the caps to kind of like build them up and close them out to you know make a little extra money. But I feel like other than that, you're just destroying your body and like <laughs> like uh, I don't know. It's it's like eventually you hit a wall of the the law of diminished returns. You know what I mean by staying out too long. If you're on, you can see bands that have been on the road for five, six weeks at a time, and they're tight, 
but they are fucking over it, man. <laughs> yeah. They got, like, it does, and it doesn't, it doesn't matter how big and good they are. At a certain point, they're yeah. just like, I'm over it. I don't want to do it anymore. Well, we're all like punishing ourselves doing this anyway. So it's like, oh, I'm going to book a six-week tour. It's like, how ridiculously dumb is that? You're going to do that to yourself I, I will every say, year. Right. <laughs> I, I will say this, though. The years that we did, like back when we were younger and we did six-week tours, you do a greater volume. And you increase your odds of something crazy happening, like some sort of crazy good luck. You know, cre- you're creating more opportunities. And so law of average averages creates more opportunities yeah. to a certain degree. And like if you're just like if you go all the way across to the, the all the way across the country or all the way across the ocean even to do a tour and it's it's a shorter run and the anchor dates are shitty. It can yeah. sour the entire trip. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? The one I did last year was perfect, though. Like, I mean, sometimes they just, ha- it happens that way. You know, like, I had four festivals in a, in a row, and they were all like... What festivals did you do? I did, like, Westport Saloon, uh, Westport Roots Festival, a Choice City Stomp Festival, um, Pond Stock festival and then the bridge folk festival in And you Newport. book yourself entirely, right? Like, yeah. you're your own fucking booking agent. Mm-hmm. Now that's badass. <laughs> that's badass, man. I guess that's a fucking pain in the ass, dude. <laughs> yeah, it, it, oh, oh. <laughs> I hate hey, it. Hey, man, I hate it too. And for not like, I don't think I hate it for the obvious reasons. I hate it because I have to feel like I'm selling myself to someone I don't know. Right. You know, like, hey, can I come play your club? You know, like, it's it's right. just a terrible thing to go through. And then like having to like oh is this the right way to word an email and like mm. is this sound professional yeah. you know, like right. I just don't like yeah. this let me just get in there and play once then we can talk yeah like <laughs> I mean hey I, man I want to play your place dude yeah. can I or not like that's how I want it to be <laughs> you know I've, I've I've gotten to the point where I've got my form letters pretty good I've got my intros pretty good and the thing that that is still hard is the uh the the very tiny margin of return you know like no matter like and but i do find that i can affect those numbers to a degree by making my overall package look better right like but by making my package look better so i started (laughs) stuffing socks in my pants anyway (laughs) but like uh you know you're still going to get people that aren't replying to you mm-hmm. or are giving you, 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 I mean, because most people just aren't going to say no to you. We talked about that on the episode last week, is yeah. that most people will just not say no. Wait, you get people that reply to you? Every once in a while. <laughs> Dude, I've, I've, I've had no's feel like a real success, man. I've had a few of them. Fucking a, it must a, feel good to get emails back. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. You get more no's if you have a professional-looking email intro. Yeah, it's got to look right. Yeah. You know, like, it's just a talk I had to have with myself at one point. Be like, dude, he oh, needs I hate to straighten too. this out, you know, and you'll get better, you know, returns it's the le- it. It's the least fun thing yeah. to do in the world. But it's getting easier. I mean, I've 
built some really awesome relationships where it's like now I can be like, hey, dude, can I come? You know, like, hey, That's Travis, can I play Westport? You know, saloon. Right. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's great. Hey, can I get five hundred bucks for it? Yeah. <laughs> cool. You know what I mean? Like, and and that's that's the thing is like. Once you get past that wall of resistance and you find the one person in that market who digs what you do or just needs a band that night and you end up becoming friends or knows you from a friend of a friend, like once you get past that initial resistance that just sucks, it sucks so bad. Booking your own band sucks so fucking bad. But once you get past that initial resistance, like it's as simple as a text or a phone call mm-hmm. or or a lot of times they'll hit you up and go, hey, when are we going to get you back out here? Yeah. Yeah. Travis sure. at the Westport Saloon, shout out to Travis because he's one of the good ones. Hi, For Travis, sure. Where's the, the Westport yeah. Saloon? Kansas City. Kansas City? Yeah. OKC. No, now, most now Oklahoma. Old Casey. Old. Well, I've I've crossed paths with some people uh, in Kansas City who are big fans of yours. Like, you guys must have, like, really... Yeah, in in two different venues. What? What? The Lost Highway and the... Oh, oh, in OKC? Yeah. Yeah. I said said Kansas City, didn't I? Dude, those are our people. Oklahoma City, yeah. Those are our people. Oklahoma City is, like... That's our spot. Like, we come from Denver. We come from Chicago. And, like, there's a part of us that very much feels like we're from Oklahoma City. Yeah, it's they dude, we love it down there. It's noticeable. <laughs> dude, we love it down there. They just, and yeah. but the the main thing that makes Oklahoma City cool. And I really hope some of the Oklahomies are listening to this episode. The main thing that makes Oklahoma City cool is the very first time we went there. They were so welcoming and hospitable and kind and enthusiastic and just like such warm people that it made it very easy for us to then turn around and be warm, enthusiastic, happy people. Like everyone had made, they were happy to see us. And I think that that's something that, uh, that is a dangerous cycle when you get bands and crowds, you know, and, and the citizens of an area interacting together is you go to some markets and that's just not the case. Right. Like the band comes out on stage and they you can tell that they're not having a good time because they've been interacting with people in that area who aren't having a good time and and it just becomes this chain of people bumming each other out back and forth. <laughs> but when you but when we first got to Oklahoma City, man, they immediately welcomed us right on they immediately like it was agreed upon that hey we're gonna have a good time we 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 want to show you guys how fun our our town is and 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 we want you guys to enjoy ourselves and then we were able to turn around and go oh well since you guys are working so hard to make sure we enjoy ourselves you know we want to do the same for you and and I, i i don't know i i it's just so unpretentious i don't know if it's like because Oklahoma City doesn't get a ton of love from other bands or something like that, or it, it, I don't know what it is that that prevents that place from being like a much bigger market than they're it still underground. Is. Yeah, yeah, it's like sure. it's like one of those things where people haven't come in and ruined it yet. They peep, mm-hmm. yeah. 
That's what we're, that's what we're doing. Yeah. Oh, we're 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 beginning the process <laughs> part, part of scene of gentrification. That's where it starts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a handful of cool bands go to a market. Shout out to your mom. Shout yeah. out to Turbo Wizard. Yeah. Shout out to Clams. <laughs> Shout out to Blue Note. Gentrification. I was hanging flyers today. Yeah. And it was just amazing how much space AEG is is eating up. Do they have like exclusive contracts with a lot it of? Is, um, it's nuts. They, do people still hang up flyers? I mean, I... Uh, well, AEG and Live Nation do. <laughs> um, I'm my own street team. Yeah. yeah. I, hey, I'm our own street team. Yeah. I, so, on that, we haven't talked about that in a while, but on that note, I do it... I don't expect that one poster is going to convince anyone to go to a show or not. I don't think it's going to be the linchpin, but I think it's important to um, to raise awareness. You know, it, it, what is that marketing rule that people need to see something seven mm-hmm. fucking million times before they commit yeah. to, to doing it or whatever? There's something to that. You, there is something to that, and I feel by, like, number one, Leaving flyers out, leaving just a few handbills out of places, getting posters in all the big neighborhoods in the area, and doing your social media, and and documenting the process of you putting up posters, and talking to people right. while you're out doing it, that cumulatively is what gets you maybe uh, 20 or 30 people at a show, I'd yeah. say. Maybe about it's a, you know it's all <laughs> twenty or thirty situational. Us, yeah. I mean, like I always mail a couple to each venue. Yeah. When, when I'm on the road, you right? Know? Like it's, I think two is good. I don't, I'm sure there are a lot of people who be like, you need to be mailing. You got to mail them to the you know, but well, and you got to print so, them and mail them. To yeah, the venue. that's what I do. But I mean, it's like I, I'm. I stay at two. You I'll mail you two because there have been many times I show up to and a place. And there's just a stack of posts. They're, they're, they're still in the manila envelope. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, oh, geez. they're behind the register. Right. You know? it's, I, I think what it comes down to is just like you've got your handful of practices that you have to apply every time because in the long run they make your odds go up. Mm-hmm. But you're still going to run into the people who don't put your posters up, but don't do this, don't do that. But you, like, I, I've gotten to where I have a Dropbox folder that has everything you would need to promote our band in it. It's like, here's flyer slicks, here's press releases about our last three albums, here's press photos, here's logos, here's here's uh, here's the flyer for the tour, here's music, here's links, here's literally everything you could possibly need. And what happens by giving them all that stuff is that most of the clubs will usually pick a couple of things out of there and make good use of them. You email this to to the so, club. So yeah, usually what I'll do, usually what I do is I sh- start out with with an intro where I just go, "Hey, we heard about your club for, from so and so, or we found you guys on here." I usually try and include something specific about their club. I'm like, you know, uh, we came in there when we went through last time, or we heard about you from this friend of ours, or we see that you're located here. We try and find like some connection to them, mm-hmm. right? So I do that, and then if I get a response, then uh, that they're interested in in booking the band. Like if I say, "Hey, we're wanting to come to the area this time. We think you guys would be a great fit. We think we could bring some heads in. You know, we we would put uh, marketing efforts into it. You got to let them know what you would do for it, right? You know what I mean? 
um, you know, hit me back if you're interested, and we'll get the the ball. Uh, we'll get the ball rolling. And if I do get a reply, then I start building in the like, okay, um, well, here's what we normally get. Here's what we require. Here's here's all our stuff. You know, and then usually they'll they'll refine, you know, we'll negotiate the terms or they'll let us most of the times it's usually they'll just let us know flat out like, yeah, you'll get you'll get 85 percent of the door or you'll get 90 percent of the door. Or if you want to have somebody collect money at the door or pass a hat around or, yeah. you know, who are you going to bring to collect your money? Yeah, no shit. <laughs> no. <laughs> Hey, you got to put a hat on a stick and make sure the stage is right next to the front door. And when people walk in, go, hey, 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 the hat, put it in the hat in the middle of a song. I'm not playing until you put it in the hat. I've never, I played the, the first show on this tour coming out of Austin was a show where I found out that night that we were supposed to provide a door guy. Oh, oh yeah, you know. I oh just yeah, collect money, I've and I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, it's just me, I dude. I can't do that. So free show tonight, you it, know? dude. It's it's. I've been saying for years, like, we need to get a PA just because of the fucking the 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 random bankrupt show where you show up and they're like, they're like, oh, we don't have a sound system here. Yeah. Every once in a while, it's like one in fifty shows you yeah. go to the club. I gotta where, tell you the image of like a performer that is like watching people come in the door and then has to collect their money. I kind of dig that. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Finish your song and you're like, hey guys, I saw you came in. Yeah, you with the gin and tonic? Bucks. <laughs> Let's go, buddy. Thank you. Appreciate you. <laughs> okay. Okay, no, guys, stop. Just making it really awkward Seriously, for the other seven guys. You're ruining huh? it for everybody. <laughs> everybody. All seven of them. Dude. Yeah. I got you're kids, killing man. the vibe. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm Al Sabine. So that, okay, that's another thing I want to ask you about is so how old are your kids first of all you got two kids right mm -hmm. 13 and 5 13 and 5 yeah so how do you make this work with a 5 year old at home well we i'm not with her mother anymore oh okay yeah. so that's why i live in texas you know it was easier for me to be closer to my daughter and try and work from Austin versus like right. trying to operate out of Denver with her down Oh, so, there. okay. So yeah. they are down in Austin because mm -hmm. that, that was another thing I wanted to ask you about is what brought you down to Austin. Yeah, I wouldn't, I would never, n nothing against Austin, but I would never. It's not a place to be a local to, band. Yeah, it's, it's a fun place and I've met some amazing people. And I don't have anything bad to say about it, but like it's. It's a. Uh, it's not a place that I would choose to operate out of. You know, it's it's, kinda... it's not. It's a place where it's difficult to get a foothold. Yeah, and it's a place that is so enormously competitive. Yeah, it is. That it's it, everyone I know that is an amazing musician in Austin. Like they have success outside of their outside of their home for sure like you really it's, only it's go to Austin great, though for me like to just be down to be there. able to go down there and gig and yeah to, to you know um, just be to try and plug into a different network of people, you know? Yeah. Like, I wasn't... Nobody in Austin had really known who I was prior to me moving down there, and now I'm meeting a, you know, a whole different group of friends and stuff. So it doesn't hurt that you're fucking pretty good. So, <laughs> yeah, right? Well, no, and to that point, tell me this. <laughs> you know, shit. Have you, have you encountered any of the benefits of this kind of benefit, all right, where... 
you are living in and working and and considering your home base this oversaturated market. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's like living in L.A. essentially, or like right. being a country musician and living in Nashville. You know, right. same same type of thing. Does that does the fact that it's so hard to get noticed? While at the same time, just being surrounded by music at a hundred different venues every single night of the week, make it so that you can work a ton, like go play a lot of gigs, refine your craft, make a lot of contacts and stuff without worrying about, um, without worried about blowing out your following. You know what I mean? Without worrying about like overplaying the market. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, to be honest with you, what I've been doing in Austin mostly is just focusing on my residency there. Okay. Because I was offered a residency by the hole in the wall. And I hadn't done really anything See? significant in Austin up until that. You know, my buddy Corey reached out to me and was like, hey, dude, you want to play every... It started out every Tuesday night, you know, in December. And then it rolled into like... Every Monday that I'm in Austin, I'm playing, you know. Right, right. Awesome. I love it. You know, it's the the best thing that I'm doing down there. And I just kind of focus on that because I've been able to, like, give, you know, my touring buddies a place to play on a Monday night because right. of it. And, like, oh, cool. it's super rad, man. It's, so, it's a fun yeah. night. Yeah, you've been there already. Times. Yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty great. Yeah, it's a good time. Monday, how, how Monday nights are special, man. How how? <laughs> so it, number one, how is the crowd on Monday nights over there? <laughs> it's it's just different, dude. I mean, there have been times in there where there have probably been like twenty, thirty people in the small part of the hole in the wall. You know, the front right. stage, and you know that's like a that's a good rocking crowd for that on a Monday night. Right. But then there have been times where it's like me playing to Corey and you know a buddy of his yeah. or just some stranger, right. but those shows are just as awesome because it just changes the dynamic of the show you know what i mean it's like we're talking to each other and there's like a couple other musicians right. musicians and we're all just like like chilling in a living room yeah getting down you know it's really it's that's been really awesome. cool that's really cool so it is residency are residencies um I guess more like are there more residencies down yeah. in Austin the than thing, there would be up here? It's what you do down there. From oh. what I've seen, you know what I mean? Like all of the people that I've met that are in bands, they they all have residencies at different places and right. it's how it works, you know. And so what happens when you go on tour? They do they fill people in or is it your job to fill somebody in for you? Well, I I work with my buddy Corey there, you know, like we try to keep it our night. You know, even when I'm gone, oh, so we're having like um, my buddy Ghost Rider it had taken over for the Mondays while I was gone, and so it's like it's like when like comedians do an open mic, and like yeah. if you can't do your open mic, you get another guy in the scene to come and and keep the night open so that you don't yeah. lose the consistency. Mm-hmm. So that's really smart, man. Yeah, that's really smart. We were talking about doing a. Um, we were talking about doing a, a a Sunday like brunch jam type of thing, where it's like just like an old guy hangout type of thing. Like your dad does the the kiss jams in, um, yeah, yeah, the the curated op- open mic. So no, it's, it's uh, Laura's brother does this electric like open mic jam that's a uh, full full band medic line, you know, and he doesn't start till like nine or ten at night. So all the all the working man Byron guys, you know, they want to show up. That's and cool, so my, man. my dad started doing it at like six or seven and playing acoustic. You know, whoever wants to sit in, it's always and it's always like two or three chord songs in Chicago. Yeah, nice. Called "Keep It Simple, Stupid Kiss." Yeah. Kiss, oh, kiss that's jams. great, dude. So it's like real simple chords, you know, sing along shit. Yeah, that's it's awesome. like it's like uh, doing like 
Bob Seger songs and and like like rock standards, man. That's John you know, Cougar Mellencamp, man. Hey, man, let's let's do it. One of them, sit them on down, John Cougar yeah, Mellencamp. I'd like and to see that. Everybody sits around and sings, man. It's it's great. And 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 a lot of times it's people who like my dad will always be playing, but it's like people are very welcome and invited to play if they don't play the instrument because my dad will teach a couple chords real quick and. Yeah, kind of on the, on the fly on lesson. The fly, yeah, it's yeah. great. Yeah, see that that I mean that's the best. Real simple. That's the best way to learn stuff. Anyway, is just kind of hanging out with people and somebody like that's what you know you're playing guitars together and they go no 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 try this try this yeah. do this da 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 and you go like, home and you get to go practice that thing. I did that at home. People play yes. music with each other. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Whoa. Get a band, yeah. loser. <laughs> <Man>. <laughs> <laughs> He's got the right idea, man. Yeah, I mean, see, and that's that's what I've always thought. Is you look at someone like Scott, you know, and he usually just has somebody who comes on tour with him to help him out but otherwise he's he's by himself and he seems to make a pretty decent living at it but even he has to tour pretty fucking non-stop in order to yeah. to keep the ship afloat yeah for sure you know and and he's a pretty successful guy like yeah. he's he's able to pack and, rooms you know he he did a residency in Austin too did he really yeah, yeah he he did he did the same thing when he came off a tour and you know talked right. to him briefly at one of his shows and you know he was like you know, saying how awesome it was to just have that kind of work in your hometown and you yeah. don't have to be on the road, you know. Right. So it's rad to go home to and do those, dude. That's the, the one of the tough things, you know, that we've tried to work around is is here in Denver just being a regular a regular gig band, you know, just a regular bar band. You don't want to play too much, but playing is how you make the money. But if you play too much, you'll stop making, you know, you'll start being <laughs> And that's the difference the between Denver and Austin, dude. Oh, right. Like, they're two totally different towns. You can like, play nobody, every nobody, Yeah, nobody bats an eye at, like, one band playing one place one night, and then the following night, they're right across town. It's just everybody stays busy. Well, they probably there. have as many shows in a night as we have in a year here. Yeah. And, I mean, Denver, we're an active market. It's always... It comes with the the proximity clause, like make sure oh, you're not yeah. playing on the block for two weeks or yeah, something, yeah. you know. And it's doesn't I, help, but, that, but it says on the block instead of like in the city, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, no, they. I mean, most of the the bigger promoters here in town, they they usually have a, a I think a fifty mile radius clause. Like they don't want you like you can't do that in a place like or like or six or weeks or and sixty you know? miles or something like that. Yeah, like they don't. You, you see guys in Austin. Tell tell me if I'm wrong, but like. Or Nashville or Memphis, you know, on any of those main strips, those guys are playing at like six o'clock, seven o'clock. They get done, they're carrying a little ass amp and their guitar with them to like a show on the across strip. town. You know, not even like across the street, just down the way. Yeah, know? and then they have another show that night, and then they'll do three of them in a night or something like that. Yeah. The guys who are hitting it fucking crazy hard. Well, it's because their their audience is transient. Like uh, in Austin, it's like all people that are wasted stumbling in and out of bars <laughs> all over the place. Yeah, and yeah. so you're just like, you could and probably it, play the same five songs over and over again. Well, it's not, it's not necessarily his show. He's just playing for different people or whatever the hell, you know? Right. He's playing I mean, for the is, people is that, that are hanging out right? at that well, bar. Well, yeah. I mean, it, it's they're just two different cities. You know what I mean? Like there's yeah. Denver's music scene is a different dynamic than like a place like Austin, which is like the live music city, you know, right. mm-hmm. capital of, of the country. It, they're just two different things. Not that, that not that Denver doesn't have great music, but like 
It's Most people aren't just like popping into Denver to like go see live music. They're right. popping into Denver to get weed. You know? Right, like right, it's right, just right. A different thing. Well, it, unless like you get the people who travel to go to like a fucking Red Rocks show. You know that's what I mean? Different. Right. That's totally different. Like we but get different. We get yeah. we get a lot of the people. scene. The scene it doesn't work like that. No, the, yeah. no, no yeah. that that's the the, the like the lot, local band scene doesn't right. work. A like lot, that. a lot more working musicians down there. I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, the the clubs are also the the way the clubs are set up um, facilitates that. You know what I mean? Like they have their strips that are just like this oh, yeah. is the party area of town. And, and bars will, a bit more and spread. bars like promote like live music seven days a week. You right. know what I mean? That's what they do. It's that's what Austin is. You right. Know? And it's it's really cool to be put in that without ever trying to, like, pursue that. You know, like, I was never like, I need to move to Austin so that I can do X, Y, and Z. I just ended up there and, like, was, like, having to make it work. And it's There, there it's were cool. times that we definitely got taken in by, like, man, like, dude, Billy Milano from SOD owns this fucking club, man. Like, <laughs> if we impress him, that could lead to some big stuff for us. You know, it kind of has that, like... It's got a grittier version of the Hollywood thing, you know, where you can just get pulled in and 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 there's there's you know all the BC boys are playing across the street at Stubbs and they they're doing a surprise show and and fucking so and so's across the street at Emos over here and da 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 and you can get you can get really sucked into that idea of like oh man I I could really make it here man this this could be where this could be where I blow up I definitely don't put my mind in that yeah like, yeah I try to like not think about that <laughs> like I just try to stay busy you know well, what I mean, I mean you, like, mo- you just do your residency and, and tour like you mostly were where you're doing regular gigs around as uh, aside from your residency is you're out in other cities right you're touring mm-hmm. around yeah and um yeah the coolest thing about that is like i was saying about people bouncing around and doing all that shit it seems to me that you're doing strictly your own shit yeah, that's. Oh, you're not. You're not doing cover shows. Ha- having, no. ha- See, having, a re- having a residency where it's just your shit. That is fucking so bad. Yeah, ass. it's yeah. really cool, man. It's a lot of fun. Not having to be a gigger guy, but you know what I mean. Yeah, I, I like it. I mean, yeah. and it's. It was such Good job, a. By a, the way, <laughs> <It's fucking> awesome. <laughs> Thanks, spot, man. I'm so happy. Yeah, it was really cool. Well, uh, music to be fun. asked to do. Yeah. So I mean, do you run it? How much of your residencies are just you playing, and how much of it is you inviting like featured guest musicians on to to come up and jam some of their stuff? Well, the typical night is like three of us, you know, three usually songwriters. We've had bands, you know. Okay, play, cool. But it's mostly like three songwriters. Who are the? It's, so are the mainstays always the same? Is it always you and your and your buddy Corey, and then like one other person? Or is he's the it, bartender? Oh, he's the bartender. Mm-hmm. So it's you and two yeah, it's other? like it's our night. You know what I mean? We like talk shit to each other. You know, from behind the bar and oh, that's he'll, fun. He'll bring up shots, and he's taken. You know, he's an amazing photographer. You know, and he'll come shoot photos and shit. And that's cool. It's it's great, dude. We've had some really awesome people play. That's cool. And like, you know, it's it's been rad. Tuesday cool, mornings man. are rough, but Tuesday oh, Monday yeah, nights yeah, yeah. are pretty rad. I yeah. used to I used to work those. Uh, <laughs> I used to work the burlesque night at Three Kings, man. I yep. feel your pain. Mm-hmm. You'd get like even if you didn't drink or, or or party at those shows, just like from being around the insanity of of a, of the type of people who are degenerate enough to party on a Monday night, <laughs> it, it fucking hurts the next day, man. Should we take a break? Yeah, yeah let's take a quick break. Let's take a break. Cool. 
he's gonna count us in in one. Say how high you go. <laughs> Eight, nine, nine, ten. Go, oh, go! Ah! Oh, shit. Okay, now we gotta uh, start talking. Uh, man, I did want to call. I, I wanted to call attention to something that occurred to me. Like as soon as we walked out of the room, is I, this whole time I thought I was the only high guy. Like I'm sitting here having a conversation with you guys. Do you ever get that where you like smoke weed with people and you just assume that you're the only guy who's high? Like, no, you all smoked no. weed together, but you're like, oh, there's no way everybody in the room is as high as I am right now. <laughs> I think you're right though. Oh yeah, no, that's true. Nobody's ever like drugs have always taken me for a ride, man. It's like anytime I thought that I was more drunk than someone, it was probably true. Anytime I thought that I was tripping harder than somebody, it was probably true <laughs> yeah yeah probably pretty true and on to our sponsor anyway the motherfucking <laughs> podcast is brought to you by all these amazing people first of all matula plumbing matula! displays illinois shit rolls downhill don't be at the bottom your number two is our number one priority your shit is our bread and butter 2011 Angie's List Super Service Award winner. The only year that counts. He'll wear the booties for you. Tell Jerry the boy sent you. Mm, the Rocket Space Rehearsal Studios, the official rehearsal space of uh, motherfucking Ruckus. And do you ever do Rocket Space when you're in town, Randy? You don't really need no. to rent a place. You can kind of like go find a shoebox somewhere and practice. No, dude, you can practice true, in your dude. car. I have an interesting story about that. We can get into later if you want. But oh, it's funny. okay, <laughs> all right. I like funny stories, especially about Rocket Space Rehearsal Studios, the official practice space of motherfucking Ruckus and a bunch of other bands. Fully equipped hourly rates. Rocket Space. You ain't got to carry, carry shit. shit. Evergroove Studio, solar-powered in the Shadow Mountain region of Evergreen, Colorado. Did I redline on that one? Well, you know where you won't redline is at Evergroove Studio in Evergreen, Colorado, because Brad is pretty good at running them dials. His attention to detail is second to none. He'll twist the knobs for you. He'll twist the knobs. He'll twist the Tweedly knobs. And, man, he's a producing engineer, and he also produces a uh, great deal of affection in my heart. Sorry, (laughs) infection in my heart. Go see Brad and Jenny about your next project, and uh, don't fuck it up. Whatever you do, don't fuck up. I want to fuck something up and just have him master it. Give me something to break! (laughs) (laughs) We all want to fuck something up, Gordo. It is time to fuck shit up. Oh, have you ever heard Brad talk about Lander? Fuck shit up. Have Have you ever heard Brad talk about Lander? Like, you know what Lander is, right? Yeah, Brad is just like... No, whatever you do, don't send your record to Lander. You got to get someone to actually master your record. I, don't yeah, fall for I, it. I, I had a little bit of a correspondence with him about Lander. Oh, he is not a fan, dude. Yeah. You're not a fan of Lander either, are you? Not. No, no. The proof is don't not. Don't do it, kids. Don't not in it. the pudding. The proof is in putting a little bit of money into a high quality studio like Evergroove Studio. Yeah, don't don't go to an algorithm when you could go to a human being. When you could go to a person. We will not be replaced by machines. Mm-mm. Automation will not get rid of the the beautiful uh, uh, meticulously trained ear of geniuses like Brad Smalling Damn. and his 
informative and helpful staff. Evergrove Studio. Oh, you talk to me that way. No doubt. Yeah. I do talk Woo. to you that way. God. I'm pretty sure your wife thinks we're having an affair. She does. Pretty sure. Like, your family refers to me as your second wife, and I don't think it's just because we're really good friends. I think it's because they think and don't want to openly admit that that something more goes on behind closed doors. Tom. Isn't she beautiful? <laughs> Isn't she lovely? Uh, com Ounce for ounce, pound to pound, pound for pound. The best homegrown comedy in years. See the nugs in there. <laughs> wacky adventures. They're wacky stop motion adventures through the the town of Nugville, Colorado, which is a real place, by the way. I've been I've been in Nugville. It's it's about three clicks south of South Park. Mm. It's uh it's like pretty close to South Park, but if South Park was made of weed, mm-hmm, 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 uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Nugville. It, if you've never seen it, what I'm talking about sounds really fucking super weird. So to learn more, go to thenugnation.com. Check it out. Uh, and uh, this podcast, of course, as well as the Joy Quota podcast on mm. all your uh, on all your favorite, wherever you get your podcasts from, uh, are recorded here at the Nug Nation studio in beautiful Denver, Colorado. Mutiny. This is a Mutiny Transmission. Mutiny is a media service division of Mutiny Information Cafe on 2 South Broadway in Denver, Colorado. Literally the heart, the center of downtown Denver, Colorado. It is the cultural epicenter of the city of Denver. It's like everything that Denver is all about. Did you see these bandanas they made? So, okay, I'm about to describe something Sweet. to you. At, at Dink this weekend, uh, Mutiny had these bandanas made where one half of it says Mutiny. And if you flip it around, it's a Guy Fox mask. Is that how you say it? Guy Fox? I'll yep. go with the anonymous. Uh, Guy Fox? Guy Fox? I don't know. Guy Ritchie? <laughs> guy Ritchie, that's it. Wait, what's the guy from which guy, guy is Fieri. Guy Fieri? Which one is the guy? Uh, buddy guy. I'm just buddy kidding. guy. Which don't is, lump him guy into Fieri. this. Which is the guy from <laughs> L.A. Confidential? And uh, oh god, what else guy is Pierce. he in? Guy Pierce. Guy, there's something that's just very unlikable about Guy Pierce. I don't know what it is. Like, I like him as an actor. He's good. I've seen him in a few things. He's but good. Some, he's good. <laughs> like, he's a good, he's a talented actor. He's good actor. at what he does. He's good, but he comes off as a little snooty, maybe a little aloof. He's got a fuck face, and I think that's what makes him so popular. Interesting fuck face. I think that's, I think that's, like, why they, they were never able to get Guy Pierce to be, like, a megastar. Like, he's in a lot of really good movies, but, like... I'll bet when it came to Oscars and shit like that, people were like, nah, I don't like his fuck face. Mm. <laughs> Damn, that's rough, dude, if, you, if you're if you born with a fuck face. <laughs> hey, I was born with a fuck face. I get the fuck face look from so many people. The first time I meet him, they do that, like, that eyebrow, you know, where they mash their eyebrows together a little bit, like, like you just threw a fart right underneath their nose. <laughs> and I usually grow on those people. But I meet people all the time where they do just, like, what, fuck face? Like, immediately. You can, <laughs> see, you can see it, like, scroll across their brain, and then they go, oh, no, this guy's pretty nice. But initially, it's just uh, mm, 
Yeah, you get that look about you. It's just well, so since you're aware of it, do you come back with like, I know you think I'm a fuck face? <laughs> I have said it before. They're like, you remind me of someone. I'm like, it's this fuck face yeah. right here. No, normally what I do is I overcompensate by like making my eyes really big and pulling my forehead way back and like doing a really I'm enthusiastic. Know, hey, <laughs> all right, fuck face, going on the flip side. <laughs> flip side. Oh wait, I wasn't done with mutiny. Oh, keep going. Books. Comics, records, pinball, live events, snacks, um, and uh, coffee. S- coffee and super secret um, close to the public events like the one that we're going to be playing at midnight on 420. If you want to learn more, you know, maybe go hang around Mutiny and, uh, and act real shady and, and talk to whoever's behind the counter. Be like, hey, I heard you guys have a, you know... A secret... Uh, a to-do. Uh, I hear a you gala. guys have a little, you know, social event that uh, you do. And, and you got to wink and, and cock your shoulder while you do it. That, that'll... You got a little... You know you know what I mean? Something to, And they're going to be like, <laughs> an underground floating crap game? <laughs> they will ask you who sent you and what will you say? Luck be a lady tonight. Luck be a oh no! Tell I was um, gonna say large Marge. Actually, uh, tell him, tell him you heard about this little, this little thing he do, this little to do on the motherfucking podcast, and uh, and uh, probably be able to get you in. We might be able to get you in. So, yeah. so if you tell I'm, him that the boys sent you, yeah, tell him the boys sent you. Four twenty midnight mutiny information cafe. That's all I can tell you. That's what I was fishing for on the yeah. radio. I thought you were gonna say I'm here for the gangbang. Personally, <laughs> that used to be our um, that used to be our our passcode at uh, Herman's Hideaway. Have you ever done a Herman's show? Once they <laughs> once. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we yeah. hear that one a lot. Yeah, they've always been great to us, but we hear that one. We hear that Nothing one. Nothing against lot. them. It just wasn't like it's not. It wasn't. Where I should be playing. You know what I mean? I don't think that that's a bad thing. Yeah, to but say. I mean, we hear that a lot. <laughs> yeah. We hear that a lot. I think they hear that a lot. Um, <laughs> uh, 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 uh. <laughs> yeah, I think Aaron needs to be reset. <laughs> Tough crowd. Upside? Flipside music near Herman's Hideaway on South Tacoma. Um, go see Ike <laughs> about his uh, his magnificent selection of amps and guitars and and pedals and knowledge about the subject of music and 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 general rock science uh, and and tell like the boys sent you. Get on with it. Last Zip one. Recruiter. <laughs> the last it, one. <laughs> and of course. We need paper again, man. And of course. Hey, I was trying to freeball it, man. Yeah. I was trying to do something Sometimes organic. you got to freeball it. Hey, and you know what? I think I'm doing a pretty good job yeah. on the sponsors. No. Last <laughs> but most, <laughs> the 32 <laughs> brave souls who back us on patreon.com slash mfruckers. All our patrons get access to pretty much the band feed you get everything that the band gets immediately after the band gets it like i send stuff to tony and the guys and then i send it to the patrons and then tony and the guys go hey don't send that to the patrons and i go i already did and they go fuck that looks like shit i go sorry man i already sent them the raw goods transparency transparency but the only people who get that are the 32 brave souls who back us via a uh, small monthly contribution on patreon.com. I love that platform. 
we we as a band give 10% of everything that we get to other artists on the platform. We now back about 15 different creators on patreon.com. So that's what it's all about. Dude, it's best spread it around. Dude, we're all on the same team, that's baby. That's right. A rising that's tide right. lifts all ships. That's right. Pay tithing to the church of rock and roll. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. So, uh, <laughs> I wanted to, <laughs> I wanted to talk about Dink. First of all, Randy, have you ever done a trade show or anything like that? No. You, see, I would think you would do the trade shows. You see a lot of uh, one-man acts, like like with their uh, what are those Bose are you pole like, speakers, like Nam or something like that, or uh, like Nam would be a would be a trade show, yeah. Okay. But like um, we did, we did the Dink Comic Con this weekend. Oh, right on! And it was our first time doing really anything like that. Like we've done, we've done shows around Nam. Like we've, and by that I mean we've played clubs in Los Angeles when Nam was going on. Yeah, and then you put way more Nam party, and you try and hand out flyers at the show, and nobody cares because they're getting flyers for shit That's all like the show goddamn yeah. in, uh, in Austin with Randy during South by Southwest. Oh, yeah. did you the play festival? The festival we played right. together. Yeah. <laughs> yes. What, was it? Uh, is that <laughs> festival in air quotes? I I wouldn't put it in air quotes. It was anything over four bands is a festival, in my opinion. There you go. <laughs> it was that's right. It was funny, dude. Like it's funny to see how the people in Austin actually feel about South by. Yeah, South by. So what, man? Yeah, that's what. And anytime we talked, that's why we never went and did South by Southwest. I mean. It, we did get offered to do one really cool showcase there, which we had to turn down because of a, another tour that came up. But other than that, we've never really been offered, and we've never really pursued it. Mm-hmm. Because the first time we went to Austin was the day after it ended, and there was nobody anywhere. <laughs> we played for the bartender, the sound the sound guy, the door guy, like in a waitress, right? Oh yeah, dude. And then um, it's a real Austin. Do you know Do you know uh, Houston from Austin? He's in Brutality Incorporated. He's in. Um, he worked at Headhunters forever. He probably still works at Headhunters. He was in. Um, God, what's the other band that Houston is in? It's Shit. it's fucking Brutality Incorporated, and ah, I can't fucking think of it. But anyway, he uh, oh, and he was in MOD too with with Billy, and he ended up we ended up walking into a bar that he was working at, and he ended up taking us around and showing us places in Austin, and we asked him about South by Southwest on that very first trip, and he was like, he was like, dude, South by Southwest sucks. You don't want to come down here. <laughs> he's like, he's like, we do a little side thing called South by So What that might be fun for you guys to do, but other than that, I wouldn't even come down here. And we just kind of took that advice forever. Mm-hmm. We never tried to go back down there ever again. And, like, as now a local, how is that for you? Like, how is actually being down there during South by Southwest? It's cool, dude. It, like, to, just to experience it the first time, it was really neat. I also got to work a door shift at the Hole in the Wall for a day that they had music, like, going back and forth from one stage to the next. All day. Yeah, and that was rad to experience. Just see that many bands all day? Yeah, dude. Yeah. I mean, like, I had a front row seat right by one of the stages, and I got to see 
I don't know, 15 bands, you know? It was so really cool. so is, is, it, is it more fun to go as a spectator than it is to, like, work down there as, like, as a musician, like, trying to play gigs for well, people? Well, I didn't, like, you know, the only thing that we really did near South by Southwest was the residency, and that was, like, the Monday after the weekend, you know? Oh, really? How was that crowd? Was there anybody there? That, that was the night we had, like, that was the festival within the festival. Or <laughs> yes, it got, that show got double booked. Or, or, Post-festival yeah. festival. Or was, was it the pre-festival? Because maybe it was before the festival? I don't know. I yeah. Was it before or it was before. it was before. It was before, and yeah. it was like double booked. So it became like this <laughs> pre-South by festival thing where it was like eight bands A festival. trying to like muscle through what th- three or four bands should be doing. You know right. what I mean? Like... But I can't, I trying to do like five minute changeovers and shit yeah, like that. It, it was, was one of like my worst performances ever because I like I just brought a guitar and I'm like I knew it was going to be a nightmare, you know. And I was so like, you didn't set to, up your drums. No, I just I just went up there and was like, hear a few songs and jumped off because I wanted everybody to play. You know what I mean? Right. It, like it, it was the residency, but like at that point, I'm like I don't even know if I should be playing. Like it's just been double booked. But let's just now this do was it. It. now this was it. But you were saying this was the Monday after the like South by Southwest, this was before right? Before it, okay. So it was before it. Yeah. So okay, I was gonna say because I think afterwards is when everybody's just like destroyed, like their bodies can't mm-hmm. physically handle any more music or partying. But before, I could see, I could see there being a decent warm up opportunity, like the day before the festival or like a couple days before mm-hmm. the festival, and people are getting into town. So, um, probably why your show is double booked, too, yeah. huh? Because there's yeah. just so many people piling into the town yeah. at that point. And, and the one after was really cool, too. It was like sort of an unofficial South by So, you South actually, you actually ha- so my information is completely incorrect. You actually had decent shows after South by, like immediately after South One, by. yes. One, and then another one, no. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I had one where I played a couple days after South by had ended, and... Uh, it was, you know, the bartender. Right, right, right. And, like, even he fucking walked out at one point. And I was he's like, like, I'm over it, dude. I've heard every band. Yeah, and I was like, all right, this is just how it goes, man, you know. And, By yourself. But it was cool, man. It, I got to know the bartender. Maybe know? we should maybe By we should just go. Just by yourself, though. Not even, no band. Just right. you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe we, maybe we, we did should. Did Hmm? Did you keep playing? Oh yeah, I finished the song, dude. Oh. I wouldn't. I wouldn't stop and like. That'd be weird to me if I just stopped playing. Yeah, yeah. Like my natural instinct was just like, just finish the song, dude. You need to practice anyway. Stop. Right, right, right. <laughs> stop and pick up your drink. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wish I was that cool. Be like, stop. Be like, fuck this. <laughs> stop, and you're like, to be continued. Yeah, yeah. to be continued. I'm not that cool, man. I'll just finish playing the song, you know. <laughs> It's like, uh, like where I was anyway. throws his sunglasses on, takes the pants off, flies across feel, the bar floor. I would feel weird not finishing a song. Like even if I was playing, even if we, like we've done gigs where we've literally played for no one, and you don't just stop in but the middle the, of the song. But yeah. I imagine it's different when you have four other people that are already playing the fucking song. You know? Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I see your point. Like I, I, I played acoustic shows where I'm the guy in the corner or whatever, and people there's like there's nobody in there, and I usually stop. Mm. Just bend over, pick up the drink, you know. Right on. 
right. check my phone. That's cool too, I guess. And, just, and then kind of start back up. And I mean, if you're a hack, I guess that's yeah, cool. I, but I am. A hack. <laughs> <laughs> I, am a hack. I, I guess mean, if you're just phoning it in, if you're but, not a true but, but if there's, lover if, of if music, there's well, I guess that's there, cool. If one other person in there, whether they're on the stage or not, like then then it will never stop. Yeah, I play to the dead, man. Yeah, you know, someone's listening. That's they're what, they're that's, paying that's, attention. That's fucking amazing work ethic. No, Rock like Santa it. Claus is paying attention. Yes, and he's like, Rock oh, Jesus. Randy. <laughs> yeah, Rock Jesus sees what you're doing. Yeah. Rock Jesus is like, my rock, son. Rock Dinosaurs, they're listening. My son, I heard you phone it in at that show that you did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 Randy. <laughs> You're on my naughty list because you didn't finish playing that song. <laughs> he knows. He yeah. knows what's up. So, yeah, we played Dink this weekend. Fucking Santa. And, uh, <laughs> uh, <coughs> Tony, what did you think of Dink? What did you think I, of Dink? I thought it was great, man. Uh, did you go inside at yeah, all? absolutely. Did you go look around at the exhibits yeah, and three, stuff like that? Yeah, all three floors, yeah. So, f- to give some context, Dink is the... Uh, So, Charlie and Jeff LaGreca, who started the Denver Comic-Con, eventually when the Denver Comic-Con started to grow to the point where it got kind of bloated and became the pop culture con and and became less and less about comic books and and became the big thing that it is now, they had left and started the Denver Independent uh, Comic-Con and Arts Expo. Okay. And Jake, who is drawing our comic book, he had a table at the Comic-Con, so he and I split a table to promote our comic book and promote our band and promote you know his, his comic books, because he's got his, his series, This Is Heavy Metal, and then both of our bands played at the Comic-Con. And, uh, and Ruckus played 2 o'clock in the afternoon, Sunday, uh, sure did. to Colfax, on a you know to Colfax and all the people in the park that were sleeping off hangovers. Or, I, I was home in time awesome. to make dinner and watch Game of Thrones. Nice work, yeah. dude. Yeah, that's it's a so, fun gig. It was it was a it was a really <laughs> fun gig, and it was it was uh, it was cool having the mix of like comic book nerds and their kids, and then just crazy street people from Civic Center Park and Colfax, and then like. What were you saying when we went on stage? It was like yeah, people who are so, we had to be quiet because there's people sleeping. Shh. Yeah, I was like, I was like, Shh, be quiet. People are sleeping in the park. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it was fucking fun, man. It was. Uh, if we would have had Occupy Wall Street going on, we would have had like just the biggest crowd ever. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like right where that was happening. See, I wonder, were there <laughs> bands that played during Occupy Wall Street? I don't like, know. Like, were there? I mean, somebody must have tried That's to a, turn it into a right? festival. That's right? a missed opportunity. Yeah. I feel like Randy would do that. I feel like Randy would like pull up with his drums and his guitar and be like, "Man, I'm gonna seize this opportunity." Let's hang out. Yeah. Yeah. Hand against hey. the machine. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, like so. Um, the guy that the booth that we were right across from was this guy Lonnie M F Allen. I see that Lonnie motherfucking Allen, and uh, he did design the passes for Comic Con or for Dink this year, and those are. 3D, like oh, you neat. can look at those with 3D glasses, and his book is 3D, and he he was pretty much. This is just a small example of 
like the level of talent that was in that building. Like it was all independent uh, comic deal, illustrators man. and tattoo artists and things like that. Uh, there was a table for Ralph Bakshi, the guy who created um, Wizards and the original um, animated Lord of the Rings and uh, Cool World. Did you remember Cool World yeah. and American Pop and Heavy Traffic? And he did the X-rated Fritz the Cat movie. Like he did this Skype interview in one of the in one of the lecture rooms, and he was, dude, fucking hilarious. Really funny old guy. I didn't realize there was lecture rooms. Oh, yeah, dude. There was panels. Like, uh, Jake actually talked on a panel about social media and independent comics. Jim was on a panel, too. Yeah, Jim was on a couple of panels, I think. Yeah. It was <laughs> I, just, I, I just had no idea where the conference room was at the time. It was really, it was really, it was really fun. The one thing I will say is, is it is way different. It is a way different crowd being a, uh, being pretty much a bar band playing for a bunch of comic book nerds yeah. and their kids. And I, if I try and censor myself on stage, I'll fuck the whole show up. <laughs> like, I've got to do my show. <clears throat> yeah. And that includes, like, that includes letting profanity fly. That includes, you know, all the subject matter that I'm going to talk about. And, and it was actually fairly well received, even by the children. I ran into uh, Carl Krumpoltz. Krupp, Kruppold, the guy who does the 30 Miles of Crazy comic, uh, that he does the, the comic about Colfax. It's Krumpholtz, right? I believe that's correct, yes. Carl Krumpholtz. He, uh, <laughs> dude, it's, right. it's, a, it's, a, it's a crazy comic book illustrator name. Okay. Um, but uh, he, he came up to me on my, on my way back to the table after a set. He's like, during your set, I saw one kid that just had a smile ear to ear. And I was like, fuck yes, there's hope for the future. <laughs> it was yeah. great, man. It was that really kid's going to be cool, man. Yeah. It's all about. Yeah, it was, uh, it was really, really an incredible experience, man. Um, if anybody who was working Dink this weekend happens to be listening, uh, we were happy to meet you. We were happy to play for you, and we really appreciate you having us. It was really a lot of fun hanging out with, uh, hanging out with Jake at his table and like learning about the process of these, these artists who just go and they hustle their books, yeah. you know, and like mega indie comic fans are just walking around just dropping fibers on issues of people's comic books. It was super yeah, fun. Jake, Jake does, um, and you see it in our comic book, but uh, I mean, his other band, or his other band, his other comic book just looks incredible, and then his band looks like he kind of drew his own band, and now he's pulling it off, you know? It's yeah. a really cool thrash band, and he kind of sing, sings like uh, Halford, you know? No way, and, dude. And everybody's got, like, leather vests with, They're like, a different, a, a different, um, like, satanic symbol made of studs on their backs yeah. so like one's like a pentagram one's an upside down cross and you know it's like it's like satanic uh, it's satanic metal absurdism <laughs> comics yeah. essentially like yeah. over the top you know violent and and silly and but crazy silly, and yeah. weird yeah. tons of profanity it's like just super cartoony like satanic metal fantasy comics yeah, right exactly but then you look at his band and you listen to the lyrics and listen to the way that their songs are written and it seriously <laughs> seems like Jake like drew himself out of ex or into existence right. yeah. and then drew his band and then animated them and brought them to life on stage it's fucking sweet they're a man. super fun band he's got big leather gauntlets you know no, right, and, and he's always holding them like 
Dude, he keeps <laughs> he keeps them behind the table too. Like he keeps his vest and his gloves behind the table, and whenever people come by to do interviews or take pictures with him, he turns it, he on. Turns it on and like does his does his like metal poses that's, and stuff like that's that. That's super the, cool. That's because the character in the book is never without. So we we that's got along. Sweet, we, Jake and I get along very well for that that reason. You know, we're both into the the pageant pageantry and the silliness and the cartoonishness. And yeah, he's got some some song that's just talking about how kick ass fucking pizza and like staying up late is or something but it's you know you know nice, fucking he's metal. got a song about cannibalizing white supremacists yeah yeah and dude it's like yeah that video is fucking great it's <laughs> so good like it, he's like he's like oh that's uh he's like explaining the video to us and he's like oh that's the uh clansman right there and uh that's the skinhead and then uh and i'm like well who's the guy on the right and he's like oh that's the white supremacist tech bro from silicon valley and like <laughs> like he's got a man bun and like his uh his badge to his company that he works at and you stuff. know shout out to uh, Hail Satan, that's the name of his band, because they're uh, up for uh, best metal band in, in Westward, right? <laughs> yeah, now. they're up. They're oh, up. No at, way. Yeah, yeah, they're up in Westward. Yeah, I, to- I told Jake about how we got retired from that. How the- I didn't know we got retired from that. Do you not know about this? Okay, it's not. so when um, when Westward kind of went through their changing of the guard, you know what I'm talking about? When, no, not when, really. Okay, so Dave Herrera was like the main music editor yep. forever, right? I remember that. And then after Dave left, there was this kind of this revolving door of other music editors that were coming in. So there's like the Dave Herrera era, and then there's like everything that we know about Westward since Dave left, mm-hmm. right? There's there's Dave, and then there's everybody else. Okay, so. Uh, when that happened, the Westward Music Showcase changed too. And it used to be that pretty much we got nominated for several years solid. We, we only we won once. And the year that we won, us and a bunch of other bands were retired to what they called the Westward Music Showcase All Stars. What? Who, which said, is where who said that? This sounds is made, what that they, sounds made no, up. Th- it was in print. <laughs> in it was print. In, it was in print. <laughs> Still print. Anything. It was. It was in print. And basically, what they did is they took because bands in Denver don't break up. They stay together for twenty fucking years. Or the bands that play the like all the bands that would play Bannock Street Garage uh-huh. uh, it, on the punk rock stage. It was pretty much the same bands every year. It was us and Reno Divorce and Frontside, Frontside and King, King Rat. Rat. And the pitch invasion, and then they would kind of have this rotating it's a cool cast party of characters. Though. Oh, it was party. a great party. So they, so Westward, wanted to start rotating in some some of the newer bands and get some of the new blood in there. And there was new writers at the paper, so they were starting to cover different stuff. So they created this category called the Westward All Stars, where they put all the bands and politely said, "We're not going to put you on the festival or nominate you anymore ever again." Interesting. Much. Really? Yeah. yeah. There was like was above above the nominations that King year. King Red's still on there. King Red's nominated this year I think are they I'm pretty sure I thought that they got I thought that they were part of the group of bands that got I retired I never heard this story it sounds made up as fuck no it's a real thing <laughs> it's a real thing it really happened <laughs> yeah man it's totally that's interesting that dude why that. well, yeah what was the reason I was, behind that honestly well the re- the reason was is that uh, they, they kind of wanted to give other up and coming bands a chance and we were just 
you know, the, the Denver music scene is kind of a good old boys club. Mm. There's a lot of us who've been doing it a long time. And Denver was a small town for so long that in order, like, I feel like as it has grown, there has still been this this healthy functioning underbelly of like the local local bands <laughs> the bands that have have been around in this town for a very long time mm-hmm. and like the people who work at the different venues have been at those venues for a very long time there's a lot of there's a lot of veterans of the scene and a lot of pedigree you know what i mean okay like you look at you look at like the three kings guys you know when I met Jim, he was working for NIPP at the Bluebird and, and was booking shows that way. Or, like, you look at someone like Ricky Aston, who's now with Live Nation, and she booked for uh, she booked for Soda Jerk forever. Like, used to put us on at the marquee and stuff like that. So, as Denver has been blowing up, the music scene is still very much run by locals and, like, long-term locals. And I felt like what Westward was trying to do is basically say, hey, we appreciate you guys and all, but we want to hear some other fucking bands. Okay. You know what I mean? Gotcha. We, we're tired of seeing the same bands on, on the <clears throat> thing every year. Yeah. Like the metal thing, like Cephalic Carnage and Havoc were on the Westward Music Showcase metal ballot every single year. Yeah. You know, Reno Divorce and King Rat and Frontside Five and us were on the punk category or the rock and roll category every year. Or fourth year freshman. Or fourth year freshman was on that show. So the year that we the year that we won, the following year they were just like, okay, Dang, you know. didn't even give you a chance for a, re- a repeat title. Dude. No, that's not no, cool. Man, no. That sounds so made up. It's not made up. I understand. It's not made up. It's a real thing. If it's true, I'm, I'm waiting for my phone call. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Be like so so. Wait, wait the, the phone call to stop. Wait, have you guys ever been nominated for anything? No. That's horseshit. <laughs> phone call to be nominated for something. You guys yeah. should be nominated for something. I I hereby nominate you. I nominate Granny Tweed. Oh, because he's, he's in the special club that can't be in it anymore, so he can make decisions uh-huh. based on... I'm on the can. board. Yeah, he's on, on the board. board. Okay. I'm on the he's board. On I see. On the board. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I mean, it's... It's it's a double-edged sword, you know, because it's like on on one hand, there's Denver's becoming this like more popular market, so so people like us who have these relationships and have already have ends with these different clubs and 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 are have a little bit of leverage, you know, we have yeah. a, we have the contacts to be able to make shit happen. That that's an advantage What's to more? us, but at the sure. at the same time. Um, it it also can backfire in your face because uh, because you're the old guys in town. You're just the local that's kind of I see that taken for granted. It's the same thing in Austin. Like I met a lot of really amazing bands in Austin <coughs> that I had met on tour in other cities, and they you know when they came to Denver like uh, Born to Lose. Do you remember the band Born to Lose? Did you ever I see do. them play? Oh yeah, they were so fucking good, dude. They were amazing like one of my favorite touring punk rock bands i ever saw and then you would go play with them in austin and in austin it was hard for them to even get people in the door but they could get you in the door at any club in town because they knew every doorman they knew every bartender and they knew you know they could get you into any 
They could get you into any show you wanted to go to. They knew the places to go for free drinks. They knew the best places to go for food. Yeah. But it was much harder for them to get people in the door to actually see their amazing band play. Unless it was people trying to get... Say what? I said most amazing bands are that way, I think. In the, all, all, all the, well, I guess it's just all the amazing, underappreciated bands. You see a band that's A prophet fine. has no honor in his homeland, man. Oh, Another good example of that is uh, like the Wanderers back in Indiana. You know? Oh, yeah. Like you go see the, the Wanderers and they're fucking kick ass, like Incredible. Thin, Thin Lizzy, fucking punk rock, melodic kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Really fucking good. And uh, I mean, the shows were pretty cool, but I think the bar really was just going to be packed anyway. Yeah. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. See, I think they kind of had an opposite thing because they, um, they almost never left their hometown. And whenever they did a show in Highland, they drew a big crowd and it was a big, like every time we went to go play with them in Highland, they had a really great crowd. But if we went to go play with them in Chicago, it was like nothing. Yeah. Like this incredible band that just like nobody in Chicago cared about. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if Chicago's super saturated. I feel like it should be, but I, I don't feel like it is. What Now, I'm curious to find out what your opinion is of, of the scene in Chicago. Because, I mean, honestly, even though I've been going to see you for 15 years I'm not out sure there. I've seen out there, really. I've been here for. It seems very fragmented to me. You know, it, it just seems like... It's the same thing as what you were talking about with, like, uh, uh, knowing people here who used to do stuff, and now they ha- are in charge of more stuff, and you guys are still homies, so it's easier to get on a bill that way. Fuck, when Gordo came through, he was supposed to call Damien, you know, to get a show at at, uh, at at one of the bars, you know? And he couldn't get a response from anybody. And I was like, oh, what the fuck? He gave Damien a call right away. I guess the show got booked, I don't know how long later. A snap. There you go. Damien, now, this brings up another point, is Damien has made a name for himself in the, the like, the downtown Chicago scene and, like, the cool scene. That's not downtown. By, okay. To you, to you small town Denver ads, maybe it might be a downtown, but, you know. That's adorable. <laughs> yeah, that's well, adorable. shit. Yeah. No, no, no. I mean, um. What are you trying to say? Okay, I mean, now, your, your mountains are big. Th- this, is, this, is something, this is something that you see happen a lot, though, is... Damien worked at the Gingerman for a long time. Yeah. In Wrigleyville. Yeah. And he's since become a barber. Yeah. So he's had those contacts that way by being in, in a different area of the scene. It wasn't through music. <laughs> yeah, I'm a little worried about like the day that nobody in the band works in a bar anymore. It's like, how the fuck are we going to meet people to get yeah. shows? Right? <laughs> Dude, working at Three Kings did more for our band than our band did Absolutely. for our band. Yeah, working in a bar where it's kind of a music hotspot for something that's similar to what you're doing will just do right. that, I think. Yep. Yeah. Like, people, people will go see a band because the guy from the cool bar that they go to's band is playing. But yeah, Granny Tweed should hit up the uh, 16th Street Circuit, man. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I Car- think Carrie will have it hooked up in a snap. Gordo, I think you'd make a great hot bartender. I think you should I think you should be the next hot bartender at High Dive. I think you should be the next hot bartender at High Dive. Just can you imagine Gordo working at High Dive? I can't imagine. I, I, I've got some well, pants you could borrow. I'm gonna recuse myself. <laughs> <laughs> I think you, I think we could get you a job at High Dive. Let's get you in there, man. You'll be the hot new bartender on Broadway. I do have the Kansas connection. There you so, go. 
You, know, you do. There are Kansas people that. That's right. That are, you know, operating that joint. So. Oh, that's true. They've got there a couple of Midwestern guys that are in. Wait, uh, a lot of Midwestern people here now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll see There's a ton out. of Midwestern people but here. But you know now. what's funny is that Granny Tweed has never played the high dive. Really? It's pretty fun. It you is ever fun. played the high dive? Hell yeah, dude. Yeah, it's pretty fun. I haven't played the high dive a lot. Yeah, I haven't played it a lot, but it was fun. And it, the sound I thought well, was I like rad. No, the sound was great. Yeah. Sully, Nick Sullivan, when he did yes. sound there, dude, he was fucking That's great. That's who did yeah. sound for me. Yeah, he runs the Keep now. Have you been over to the Keep? What is that? The Keep is his studio. He runs. Oh. Uh, he runs the Keep studio uh, over by uh, Flipside Music and Blackout Screen Printing. Right He's on. got his own studio. Yeah, Nick's fucking. Great, I used to man. run into that guy a lot, you know, but I haven't seen him in years, man. I think it's just like. You tend to gravitate towards the uh, play in the bars where you drink and where the people you hang out with hang out at. Mm-hmm. And because you're hanging around there, the people who are booking the shows tend to go, oh, hey, come here real quick. Let's put you on this show. Oh, hey, you know, when are we going to get you on the books? Like you're reaching to your kind of immediate network. That's how booking works in general. Yeah. yeah. So you just got to pick exactly. pick the bar you really wanna you really wanna play at, and then just sit there and drink <laughs> all the time. <laughs> Hell yeah! Drink every day, all day, and eventually, before you succumb to cirrhosis and rampant alcoholism, you will get on their stage. I, yeah, I, I found so somebody told me that when I was getting into bartending, you know, the, whatever. But they they they. I said, how do I get a job as a bartender? And they said, just hang out at the bar a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's how I got my start. And yeah, that's, I've never tended bar in my life. Do you hang out at one bar enough? I hang out at a few. Go get no, a door. Okay, one. so this is this is how you become a bartender. You can only choose one. Yeah, you need, you need to stay yeah, at one. Go, find, go find one bar that you hang, hang out there way too much. All the time. Then start working the door. Yep. Do that for about 20,000 years. <laughs> <laughs> Um, clean up about 800 pounds of <coughs> shit mm-hmm. and vomit and cigarette butts, get punched in the face four times, and then you get one daytime shift in the middle of the week. Yeah. yeah. And then it goes from there. That sounds like a cream dream. Yeah. Oh, it's such a good job. Keep, Working the door is such do a that. great job. You keep too. doing that forever. Mm-hmm. I have a song about that that about I've been working on for like... Seven years about the climb and and fall of being a bartender. Just working at Bender's, you know, like because that's exactly what I did. I started out on the door, and then I bar backed, and then and then I was a bartender, and then I booked shows, and then I had my own show, you know, like where's a songwriter night, and like this evolution of it, <laughs> yeah, is like inspired me to write this. It's this a song. long way to is the it, top. Is they it reco- say is it's it, been done. <laughs> is, it, is it recorded or is it on the last record? Or oh no, dude, I've been working on it. Like it hasn't it's even. Still been Done like yet. Played, yeah. Like, yeah. There's just you're not, time you're not, for you're not, it. You're not. Is it about Benders or about just bar experience in general? Benders. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it does have an ending. Yeah. 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 For sure. <laughs> so it does have an ending. <laughs> yeah. Ah! Oh. oh dang, dude. Dang. Wait, was did that? it have an ending? Oh, hey yo. Oh, that didn't mean that to me. Yeah, I know you didn't. <laughs> But it was funny. I was just, he's still writing it. I was like, oh, it's yeah. about bar experience. He's not done with the bar experience yet. He's the most accidentally funny person I know sometimes. <laughs> 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 All right, then. <laughs> 
I'll see myself out. It's a, dude. It's like at your wedding when uh, when uh, I was like, "Do you take Laura to be your lawfully wedded life as long as you both shall live?" And you were like, "Or in or as long as you shall live." And then you were like, "Yeah, of course." Or you know, until you die or something. <laughs> Tony said that at his wedding. It was so good. And Laura just looks at him and laughs, and everybody in the room's like, "Oh, Tony." I was nervous. It's okay. He's like. He's like, as long as we both shall, or no, I was having him, I was having you repeat after me. Yeah. And you were like, as long as I, as long as we both shall live or, you know, unless one, you die or something. One of us dies, yeah. <laughs> no, you didn't say, or one of us dies. You said, or if you die or something. Yeah. Yeah. I was nervous. I was nervous too, dude. I was nervous at my wedding. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. Were you nervous when you, when your kids were born? No. How did how did you respond? This is something I wanted to ask you about. Is like, were you in the room when both your kids were born? Mm-hmm. What yeah. was that like for you? Was it uh, super intense, or was it like, did you guys do hospital births? Did you do? Yeah, they were they were both scheduled C sections. Okay, so yeah, so you weren't in there for the screaming and the yelling no. and the and no. like it was all pretty clinical, yeah. like efficient, which, well done. Which you know, like so I, I took it. You know, like this is, you know, I was, I would have been a lot more nervous if it was like live birth. That shit's intense, dude. You but, know, but you got, but you got, did you get to witness your children being brought forth from the incision? Like you one got time. to say the one first, time, the first time, the second time, it wasn't like that. Okay. Mm-hmm. So what's it now? I'm kind of curious. What's it like when, was she under anesthesia when, so, the mother of your child is there under anesthesia. Yeah. A doctor pulls this, like, squirming, purple, squishy, <laughs> slimy, you know, tangled yeah, larva of a person out, and, and, you get to, and you get to see it. Like, is there some... Does that kind of environment, does that kind of, like, quiet, like still clinical environment it, does that reduce the insanity that's going on in your head at all it did for me it did yeah it totally just like mellowed the whole thing out like yeah a, it was just more of like a i mean at least the way i took it i was like it was an observation you know what i mean like i knew like i just you were observing the situation a yeah and i was like i mean it was intense you know but i don't think it I think watching Did it terrify a live, you? you know, a little bit, dude. There were some moments where I was like, holy shit, dude. You know, like, it's graphic. Like, you you're know? watching a surgical procedure. Right. Then. Yeah. And, like, I'm not very squeamish, you know, but there were mo- moments where I was like, damn, dude, that's... Did you have any moments where uh, you, like, felt yourself shudder watching something happen? Like, it looked painful to you? There's just moments where I was uneasy about it. Like, oh, man, dude. <laughs> that's not, I, w- I was talking to Sarah about this. That's like such a, a crazy difference between men and women is we have a couple transitional periods in our lives. Like we have like puberty and then we have like at the back end of middle age when everything starts to fall apart and we need to get fingers up our ass. Like that's really the only like <laughs> major transitional periods we as men have biologically, you know what I mean? But women it's like at a certain time in their life they start they start menstruating. They start having <laughs> eggs and shit, you know what I mean? And it changes them. They have all these hormones surging through their body and 
puberty is ten times more intense for them. And then they have a period of time where, like, they have a kid and they grow a completely separate organ. You know, they grow the placenta and they grow a, a person in there, and it changes the biochemistry of their brain. And then, as soon as that happens, the the they like are able to produce milk and feed the thing that just hatched it out of their body. You know, like yeah, it's freaky shit, dude. It's that's crazy. It's insane. It's insane to watch. Like after witnessing a live childbirth, especially in a hospital setting, I can't believe they're legal. Like I can't, I can't believe it's legal, dude. It just seems like the most. Yeah, see, I, I don't know, man, dude. I've, it's insane. I can't imagine. You should go watch one sometime. I don't like. Yeah, I want to bring it up, <laughs> dude. Bring it up on YouTube and just watch a live child. Yeah. Okay. I, th- I think you should see at least one. Really? Because it's okay, dude. It's. It's a lot, man. Like, it's a lot, especially one without anesthesia. Just like, the, the, you watch that go down, and you're like, I can't believe. Uh, no anesthesia. Oh, my God. Yeah, Nat- I can't believe Nat- it. Natural I can't childbirth. Well, we were at a birthing center. And uh, and I and I mentioned this in the last episode, but we were we were in a birthing center and there was complications, and so we had to be transferred out to a hospital. And by the time we got there, it was too late for an epidural. So oh, it was like you know when you see in the movies where people are like, "I've changed my mind. I want the epidural. It's too late. Yeah. We're gonna have to do this." Like, that happened, dude. Yeah, dude. Okay. And like the screaming and the hand holding and the and the blood and the insanity. Like, like you know, I, I did. I don't mean to interrupt, and maybe I, I don't even know if I should be saying this, but I did see some of the photos on Facebook, dude, and like some of the pictures there looked like there was some very uncomfortable. Oh, moments, dude, she dude, was in you pain, know? dude. She was in yeah. righteous pain, man. Oh, like man. it's insane. After witnessing it going down, and it, and and yeah, I'm a proponent proponent of like. You know, nature's the way to go, and it's right. and it's and it's a beautiful thing, and we don't need to interfere too much. We, I'm glad we have medical science to help us through it and and mitigate the uh, the complications. But it's it's a natural process. But man, it is like so painful for women. Yeah, so painful that like I watched it and I was like, I can't believe people go through that every day. Yeah, I can't believe how many people I know that are walking around in the world that came into the world that way. It seemed like it seemed like so primal, jungle, crazy. And that's then that's why you know watching a C-section is just like you know it's a different thing. Yeah, you're you're not listening to your partner, you know, wail or anything. Pain, She's yeah. just out. Yeah, <laughs> you know. And yeah, it's. Uh, I I was I was a C-section. Yeah, and I like to think it's made me a better person. <laughs> you know, I, I I accredit a lot of. You know, what makes me such a stable person to not torturing my mother on my yeah. way into this world. That's I, I really think, sweet of you. <laughs> <laughs> Consider it. No, I, um, I, am, I am curious and I kind of want to... How much time we got left, Gordo? About 10. About 15. 10. I, I do want to close out with, with this and, and as... So I'm pretty new to all this. So I, my, my kid turned two weeks old yesterday. So as, like, specifically, like, I'm getting tons of advice from just dads on dad stuff. But as far as specifically being a dad who happens to be a rock dad, mm-hmm. like, happens to be a musician, what is the best piece of advice you can give another new rock dad with relationship to, like, managing the family and the career thing 
managing that part, balancing that part. Like what has been what has been the what has helped you the most? <laughs> it's I don't know. That's a tough question to answer because it's it's really it's difficult. You know, it's really hard to do that. Mm. It's and you know when your kids are old enough to realize that like what you're doing is actually like employment and stuff like that. You know, like because it's it's fun playing music. You know what I mean? We wouldn't be doing this for this long if it wasn't a good time you right know? and it's like it, so doing that and pursuing it professionally comes this like this sort of bag of guilt at some point you know what i mean right because it's not the most fruitful like way to make a living right but we still do it and we still try to like make make it work somehow you know because you you are you are doing your damnedest to make it your full-time vocation like that you, I, yeah I you do. treat music I could, like, like your I, that was job. like i said earlier not to get too deep into the rabbit hole but that's why i got out of the military like i had a rad job in the navy you know what i mean like i could have like i had a pretty decent career going like i could have stayed in there and like been retired in a year but like right i made that decision and i it's the i would i'm not going to turn my back on it you know what i mean right and that's it's hard to like navigate with that, you know. Right, and you're one of those you're one of those that rare breed of of dudes and gals who like they're all in. Mm-hmm. Like I work a day job and a couple side hustles and and do my best to run the band like a business to keep it alive. But there's no way I could do what you are doing now. You know what I mean? There's no way I could do it as all in as you do but it. I'm one guy. It. Yeah, you, don't have to yeah, you are one, one guy. Like, and that is like, uh, I'm, I benefit from that. That's that is ultimately why Workhorse isn't really a band anymore. You know, and that's a whole different story. But like, <laughs> Workhorse was a rad band. I would have loved to still be playing in that band. But like, managing the personnel side of it. Yeah, eventually, like it was just. This is what I got out of the military to do this is what i want to do and like i'm going to try right. and do it you know and right yeah you know man. i still have to do side hustle and stuff like that and right that's just that's life i think that's the way a lot of people live now what do your kids think about it they love it yeah you know they think it's fun and cool they both have performed with me you know and like my that's son really played cool. the trumpet on a song that's really last cool. year on a fest at a festival and did you inundate them with a lot of music uh growing <laughs> up like did you were, were you exposing them to a lot of music as they were growing up i i didn't push anything you know what i mean i was just listening to what i liked and you know but you didn't sit them down and be like you're gonna listen to this and you're gonna learn how to play this but you like but you had music on around them you yeah. like oh you, yeah you mm-hmm. like worked it into part of your exemplary fatherhood programming like yeah just, it's the yeah. family business dude that's yeah. the way i look at it nice and like if if anything dude teaching them how to run the shop yeah i i'm learning to be a businessman a musician you know like it's it takes a long time to learn the balance of it at least for me it has you mm-hmm. know what i mean and there have been like you know failed relationships because of it and right. like i would love to tell you like it's gonna be okay and like shed all this like shit that i want to <laughs> tell you but like it was hard dude and yeah ultimately well especially the way that you're doing it because yeah I mean, you, you and i get that dude yeah. i get that like i think sometimes you get in a relationship and you know it's it's not 
it doesn't make sense to somebody that like you're going to pursue this fruitless endeavor for the rest of your life. You right. Know what I mean, <laughs> it's like right. No, and I get that. It takes a special person. Yeah. Dude. Yeah. I don't know. Did that make sense? I <laughs> no, that makes total sense. <laughs> it hit me in the heart. Oh, it made yeah, so yeah. much sense. It makes perfect All right. sense. It made to me, me cry. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it. Yeah, you're well, like, see, Tony, Tony, you have a unique situation that unique I don't situation. think you can ever complain about ever, ever, ever. You're the woman you fell in love with is the greatest singer I've ever heard in my life, and you happen to be the greatest guitar player I've ever met in my life. I was thinking about like, how, how the fuck does that work? The, only, the, only, the yeah. only way I can make it easier to be on the road and make money, I think, would either be do it by myself, by yourself, or whatever, mm-hmm. or to bring your wife. Yeah. Because it doesn't matter anyway, it's all the same yep. shit. Are you and Laura going to do the the traveling family band thing? Like, are you going to go basically make a rhythm section sure. for the next couple of years, and then when they're old enough, hit the road and have the the Wilburn Zelensky family band? Fuck, if, it, if it works out that way, absolutely. <laughs> that would be pretty. Yeah, cool. absolutely. But it's rad, though. I mean, my son's playing trumpet now, and you know, we get to jam. That was cool. Yeah. That is cool, yeah. man. How is he on the trumpet? He's probably better than I am. He's getting pretty good, dude. Yeah. I love, like, his ear is the, like, most impressive thing, you know? He most can, valuable he thing, He can, too. like, yeah. pick, up, <clears throat> pick up a riff, you know? We were, like, jamming some Credence one time. And, nice. And he can pick it up real yeah. quick. He, that's important. I never learned, I like, I learned a little bit about reading music, but the only thing that has gotten me by in music in general is being able to, like, more or less pick up... You know, being able to pick up uh, patterns and being able to pick up melodies and things yeah. like that. Learning by ear is and then you watch, super essential. Yeah. Then you watch these child prodigies and it makes you cry. Oh, oh I know. Dude. Doesn't it hurt you? It's like going to the skate park, man. <laughs> if, if you could skate, which I can't, but I assume it's like that. Uh, well. Yeah. You're going to go to the Larimer and I'm going to do an interview for another podcast and then meet you guys at... at practice righteous yeah i got to do an interview for this thing called the mayhem podcast i don't know i don't know much about it other mayhem. than that but it, it, it i don't think i'm going to be creating a lot of mayhem in my conversation because i'm still half baked and like <laughs> i've got an infant at home so i haven't been sleeping like at all so uh i, I i'm probably going to give the, the antithesis of a just tell them lower their expectations just say, like, I'm here for the mayhem. Hi. <laughs> Hi, I'm here for the mayhem interview. <laughs> well, on that note. All right. Uh, well, Randy, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, make, sure to check out, me. Make, uh, make sure to check out RCO, Randall Conrad, yeah, Olinger. Let's, let's play yeah, something on the way out. Yeah, what's the, well, where's, what's the best way to find your shit online? Uh, <clears throat> right now you can go to Gorophonic Records has a... Some song streaming. I have some on my website, yeah, RCOSwamp.com. There's, like, there's a couple of different songs, like RCOSwamp.com. RCOSwamp.com. Okay. Gordophonicrecords.com. Right on. And the uh, the pre-order for the book is is no longer going on because he's almost sold out of those books. Nice. So No fucking way. Uh, <laughs> Congratulations, is, yes, man. Super, super fucking stoked about it. And um, eventually I think we'll have, you know, a download of the album or some some kind of thing going on. Yeah. You know, but the, that's book, awesome. the book comes with downloads of the Yep. Oh, right. Yeah. That's super yeah. cool, gotcha. man. Well fuck man. Uh it's been really nice having you. No it's, doubt. It's been nice yeah. to catch up. I don't get to see you enough anymore. I know, you know? man. This I'm, is great, though. Thank you so much. Of course. Yeah. Of course. So oh, we're going to close out with, with a workhorse song, right? I say we do both. Let's do it. Let's, let's, okay, to give a little, 
To give a little uh, compare and contrast, we'll do a workhorse song, and then we'll do an RCO song, so people can hear your your journey from okay, you know, All or right. at least hear like a little sample of your journey. Sweet. Uh, well, this has been the motherfucking podcast. Thank you yeah. for listening. I'm Aaron Howell. I'm Tony Lee, and he's Randy, and he's Gordo. I'm Shout Tony. out to Johnny Skibbs uh, in Chicago. Gene Skibbins. Gene Skibbins. Uh, Hi, Skibbs. Yeah, we love you, dude. <laughs> All right, we'll see you next time, guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
Transmission. You can find more podcasts, videos, books, comics, and records online at mutinyinfocafe.com. Or just stop in the store in Denver and have a coffee sometime. 